are back. Legendary Sickos, a legendary upside, and Spike Week collaboration after a brief hiatus. We are back today to talk about stacking. Myself, Eric Feinfloor, and Pat Kareem, winner of Best Ball Mania 3 and creator of Legendary Upside, are going to dive into all the nooks and crannies of stacking. How do you implement your stacks in your drafts? What's an appropriate way to put together different stacks and maybe a little bit of galaxy brain and how we can take down these tournaments with our stacking. Let's do it. All right, Pat, we're back. The people were not very happy with me for the last couple of weeks, and I will take ownership over the fact that we uh, had a little brief hiatus here with with this show, um, some scheduling conflicts. Sometimes the real real life does get in the way, even when you work from home, creating fantasy football content for a living. And But I am excited to, to get back, and today we are going to talk a little bit of stacking. We've obviously talked quite a few kind of gal brain type of conversations obviously week 17 and how we can do some different things to try to take down these tournaments from a correlation perspective but we haven't really like dug into like the actual stack right like if i want to stack the eagles or i want to stack the chiefs or i want to or just gen- general stacking like do i include running backs you know what do i do with quarterbacks and tight ends can i just stack a quarterback with a tight end do i need a wide receiver like there's so many different elements to stacking that I don't think that there's necessarily a right or a wrong answer, but I'm interested to dive into like physically when I get on the board or on the clock in a draft, like how do I start to put together these stacks that can best win me these best ball tournaments? Yeah, for sure. I think it's really interesting. I don't think there's like a clear cut answer. I think like there's things that I do sometimes where I'm like, I don't know if I should do this, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> yep. um, and like when I draft with other people, sometimes, um, you know, I'll be talking about stacking and spot where they're like, it's too early to think about that. So I think there's there's sort of uh, maybe some different uh, philosophies among really sharp drafters that I get to draft with as well. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of an interesting thing to think through because I do think there's a number of ways to attack it. I think those are the most fun conversations. Like, I actually think like the week 17 thing is like almost become a little bit boring because, not again, not that there's necessarily a right or a wrong answer, but it's fairly straightforward. It, it's kind of funny how quickly we evolve in the space because it, even last year, certainly two years ago, the whole week 17 and kind of playoff correlation stuff was scoffed at, right? And now it's not that it's universally accepted, but it is that like, I don't know, you get everybody kind of understands, get to a certain spot of a draft. All these guys are the same. One of them plays, you know, against my quarterback in week 17. I'll, I'll take that guy. It may, you know, it makes sense. I think we've wrapped our heads around that, but like, like you said, I, I don't, I really, I do some things I think that are, that other people would probably say, not only do they not do, they might think are suboptimal. Um, And so the fact that there's so many different ways to think about putting together these forms of stacks. And I think, like you said, sharp drafters all do it differently, but sharp drafters also, do tons of different things. I think when I first started in best ball, I pretty much like played it like building a DFS team, really. Um, meaning, okay, so I'm I'm thinking about the price of the stack like as a whole, and that was like the driving force behind everything. Like I was never gonna 
like do a premium double stack, right? I was never going to have Jamar Chase and T Higgins with Joe Burrow because I'm, I was thinking about it through that DFS lens. Like I wouldn't really do that in a DFS contest because they're so expensive. It's really cost prohibitive. They need to score 50 points or something. And even then, you know, I still might lose because it could just be really lopsided to Jamar Chase or to T Higgins. And so I've definitely evolved my thought on that. But I, I don't even think that that premise is wrong in a vacuum, but it's that there's so many other different ways that you can go about stacking. So I wanted to like start with how, like when you get into a room and you said, I want to build like not a specific team or anything like that, but I'm, I'm going to put together the stack based on how this draft is, is folding out. What would be like the perfect way for you to do it really, really cheap or like an elite quarterback with his number one wide receiver, or like if you had to pick your perfect way to start a stack, if you got to choose, what would it be? I think it would be, hmm, I, I mean, like Josh Allen is a, is a good one. I think where you can get digs. I, I would want to tack on Gabe Davis, right? Cause he's going to have some big spike weeks. I'd run a tackle on one of the two running backs who are both pretty cheap, you know? Yep. And I, I kind of, you know, I'm more of a Knox guy on the tight end side, but if I could throw Knox on there, that's ideal. And then look, if I wanted to, at the end, throw on a Khalil Shakir, Deontay Hardy, uh, I'm open to that too. So, you know, for me, it's like, because of um, the prices on those guys, I think you can kind of do like the full stack. Um, But I, you know, in general, like I do, I, I want to have at least a double stack ideally. And then I also prefer to have the running back rather than not. Okay. That's in, That's interesting. I think <clears throat> I've, I've come along to that a little bit more, particularly this year. I definitely do it a lot more this year than I have historically. And that's one of those funny things where, like I said, when I came from this DFS angle, I really didn't do. <clears throat> and the, 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 the specialized pass catching back has like really vanished from the NFL. It's kind of funny how fast that happened. Like just a couple of years ago when we were talking about best ball, we were debating what to do with James White and JD McKissick and right. All these guys. And like, they almost don't really exist anymore. Um, I guess like a, a, a Ty Montgomery or something like that, I guess. And he's not even a running back on underdog. Um, but I would maybe include a guy like that, right? If I'm stacking the Patriots, I might include James White, but I wasn't. Even like really considering, you know, including um, Devin Singletary with my Josh Allen stacks, because again, from a one week DFS lineup example, it's not that you can't win, of course, with a running back and the quarterback. Again, the offense scores 50 points and they're they're priced appropriately. And God forbid, you know, uh, Mahomes and McKinnon was one that certainly worked because McKinnon was basically just a wide receiver. But I they're they're negatively correlated, right? If Damian Harris scores a rushing touchdown, that's a touchdown that obviously Josh Allen can't run for and Josh Allen can't throw for, which in turn takes away from the receivers that you, you also included with Josh Allen. So I was thinking about it through that lens and I couldn't get past that roadblock of just being like, no, like Damian Harris's big games come at the expense of all of these other guys. So I don't want to draft him with them, but I've really come around to, to this, what you just said in that I kind of think, Price, uh, assuming price, right? It's, um, I'm trying to think, uh, uh, CMC and Austin Eckler are kind of the pass get, but Bijan, you know, if, if Ritter were a seventh round pick, Bijan plus Ritter plus London plus Pitts at those prices, I probably wouldn't want to do it as much. But like you said, a lot of these guys, 
Damian Harris, even the, the chiefs running backs are cheap. Um, I'm trying to think of some other, uh, the, all the Eagles running backs backs yeah. are cheap and you can get, you can just soak up all of the points from these really good offenses by including this back. Or even if the offense isn't already really good and established, if it becomes a good offense, now you can soak up all of those, right. Um, <laughs> I don't want to do the, the Howell thing again, but Howell or Brissett, but Gibson, right. Brian, Brian Robinson, um, those guys are cheap on, on that offense, et cetera. Throw those guys on. So, you know, not to get into the house stuff, but I have a lot of commanders. I take a lot of, um, uh, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, yep. Brian Robinson, uh, a little bit less Antonio Gibson actually right now. Cause he's risen so much in price. Um, like almost closing in on three around a three round rise. Uh, yeah. It's kind of crazy. Here. Um, so I've been kind of sitting that, that rise out and, um, you know, Maybe I'll I'll get more of him later, uh, once the once the coaches remind us that they don't like him on any level. Um, <laughs> but you know, to me, I'm like, I, that's kind of a different thing, which we should get into later. Sort of stacking without the quarterback, but I'm yep. betting. I'm just betting on that offense. You know, I'm, I think that offense, despite my reservations on how specifically, those reservations generally are on him holding the job for the full season. Yeah, um, and very different conversation from being interested in, in being commanders fun. yeah be fun like be fun and get benched like i can win i just don't draft you and then jacoby Brissett can be you know can execute it's like you Fitzpatrick know? and Jameis. it's like a, a div, much different version of fitzpatrick and yeah. Jameis, right right it doesn't really do matter I... which one's in there they're gonna sling that... it around and score points exactly that's my that's my thought on the commander's offense you can you know if if your thought is it's going to be so fun that he keeps the job and I'm also going to win by, <laughs> by getting that on my team. Fair enough. But you know, that's, that's another thing I like to think about is like, and I'm just betting on the offense. Even if I don't have a lot of confidence in, you know, the quarterback holding the job all season, I can still bet on the offense exceeding expectations, Washington, the perfect way to uh, the perfect offense this season to kind of take that point of view, I think, because the backup is pretty interesting. The backup can execute yep. the offense. So uh, yeah, that, that's definitely one that I think about. I also would say on those elite offenses, I like taking Rashad Penny with Jalen Hurts. I like taking Damian Harris with Josh Allen. I'm not necessarily even going for the positive correlation in a one-week sample. I'm not going for the Jarek McKinnon. I mean, I, I will take the, Jer the James Cook, who could be the Jarek McKinnon, but yeah. honestly, he's probably more of like an explosion rusher, right? He's like, it's mm -hmm. like it's probably, uh, you know, closer to a Tony Pollard or something where he's right. scoring. His on ceiling case is probably Paul. Like that's the pipe dream is he's Tony Pollard or something. I think that that yeah. makes a lot of sense. I just don't think that Josh Allen's not going to check it down enough. Right. It's just not. <laughs> yeah. So, but maybe he's really good and is scoring from, you know, probably a ways out, but, but delivering you some really nice spike weeks. But the reason that I like taking those like pure two down guys is that they don't cost a ton. They're in a range of the draft where if they just happen to, you know, contribute, you know, fairly frequently for your teams, get in the end zone a bunch over the course of the season, they're going to have strong advance rates. They're going to help me get there. It's just, and I've already bet on the offense. I've already said the Bills are going to crush this year. The Bills are going to be great or the Eagles are going to be great. Those aren't particularly, like, I'm not really even out on a limb with those bets, right? Those are <laughs> you know. like the best offenses bets in the league. So I'm just, I'm saying, I already know the Bills are going to crush. I already bet this whole team on it. I'm just I'm going to tack on, you know, a 10th round pick 
to, you know, if I'm taking Harris or, or Penny, right? I'm tacking on a 10th round pick to just, you know, put a little extra down on, on that bet that I've already made. And the payoff could be pretty nice because maybe I only have one running back to that point, two running backs to that point. That running back hit in that range, which traditionally has been a very good range to draft running backs, the wide receivers I hate in that range. You know, I, I may already have an elite quarterback. I don't need to take a quarterback in the 10th round if I've got Allen or Hurts. You know, so I'm it's kind of I'm already like trying to take a running back. So why wouldn't it's I take tight a end dead back? zone? It's borderline the tight end, right? It's Evan Ingram. And I don't mind Pat Fryermuth or whatever in Joku. But like those guys are not like the, uh, I, I just recently wrote an article, but I was referencing some projections and we, we posted weekly projections to the site a while back. And that range of tight end is like. In all those Ingram, Fryermuth, and Joku that go in that range of tight end project for like one more point than like 16th round tight ends per on a you know per game. Yeah. The running backs, as you said, Damian Harris, Rashad Penny, Antonio, pick your guy around the pick 100 to 120. Those guys project for like seven more points than than a running back just like three rounds later, two or three rounds later. So like that range is is I did want to bring out like. That, it's a pretty good sweet spot of the draft as well, so it really does fall together. To your point, it's a sweet spot in terms of the profiles this year, and it traditionally, you know, historically, has been a sweet spot for years. It's where we tend to. It's the uncertain range of you know backfields that we don't have certainty on. Those backs tend to fall in that range. Backs where there's multiple back. There's a reason why Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson are right there because <laughs> we're not sure. Yep. Right. Javante and P Ryan cook and Harris. They all, every back. Yeah. It's a hundred percent. That's true. Yeah. So I want to be, you know, I feel like I'm kind of fishing with dynamite when I take running backs in that range. I want to be overweight on running backs from those rounds to begin with. If I can take a running back who already fits with my bet that this offense is going to score a ton of points. Amazing. The other thing is, you know, it's a little harder to do with, if you have um, Hertz or Allen, because if Hertz or Allen had completely duds in any of the three playoff weeks, and especially week 17, you're not going to finish first. But I do think there's scenarios where in week 15 and 16, you could sneak by with an underwhelming Bills yep. performance. If you did, if you stacked it the way I was describing before, we have like six pieces of the offense probably. Not. <laughs> Yeah. But if you, but in a more forty percent of your team is the offense, you, you, I'm not sure you could suffer through a, um, like Damian Harris. God, I you love him. He's my, high, he's my highest owned <laughs> running back. A Damian Harris spike week in week sixteen is not carrying seven other bills. No, to the, to no, the it's not. It is not. But let's talk about the Eagles, and, and we saw what they did last year when they were absolutely rolling teams. Jalen Hurts can get there. You know, he doesn't have the biggest week ever, but he carries along one of his two top weapons. And then they just like salt the game away with Rashad mm -hmm. Penny and Penny has a massive week. And this is a, another key consideration. I don't think the field is all that excited to put Penny on their Hertz teams. So I do think there's a little bit of built in leverage where if Penny goes off in week 15 or 16, he might actually carry in a lower percentage of fields teams or yep. um, of Hertz teams. Excuse me. I'm yep. I just called him uh, Justin Fields. Yeah, <laughs> a lower percentage of, of Jalen Hurts teams. And I might have an underrepresented Eagles stack, despite the Eagles being amazing and allowing Rashad Penny to have this massive week the week before. And like you said, I think it's so important 
clearly you were just outlining and it seemed to happen every goddamn week with the Eagles. That's why it's so prevalent, like in our minds, the first half, right? It's 28, nothing at halftime. Hertz has got 250 passing yards and three touchdowns. AJ Brown's got 101 or 102 or, you know, vice versa to Devonta Smith pick one. And then the second half, Miles Sanders runs for 80 more yards and a touchdown. And, you know, and then it's Boston Scott or Kenny Gainwell on the last two drives. It was like every other week was this for the Eagles. <clears throat> but what you're like in the week 15 and 16, it's still hard in best ball mania specifically. Now, we're, we'll talk a little bit about I wanted to get to how this translates to different tournaments that aren't quite as difficult as BBM to advance throughout not only your regular season, but each week of the uh, the playoffs. We are in the midst, uh, almost done, with uh, our Bulldog draft here at Spike Week. Myself, Silas Jackson, Trev, and Rob uh, are uh, tag-teaming, quad-teaming a $500 Bulldog slow draft and recording kind of our thoughts at each pick. We actually pick at the, at the turn, so it works out. Uh, we make two picks for every video we record. But in that tournament, Four out of 12 advance to the playoffs. So double the amount of teams compared to, say, BBM or really any best ball tournament. And then it's like two out of six advance in week 15. And then maybe one out of six in week 16. And then it's a tiny, tiny final yeah. eight teams or something About like that. About as small the, as underdog gets. Yeah. Yeah. It's super, super small. And so that tournament compared to BBM, you may need to side. It's a, it's a tighter. Uh, needle to thread with doing what we're talking about, what you're talking about, especially with a Jalen Hurts or a Josh Allen in BBM, because it really, like, you really, it is going to be tough if Jalen Hurts scores 16 points or whatever in week 16. Uh, you're really going to need a monster game from from a your your cheaper quarterback that you probably used in these other tournaments, which there are tons of, um, not just this Bulldog, tons of other tournaments where like you could can you beat four other teams in week 15 with, you know, eight, 17, 18 points from Jalen hurts and like 16 from AJ Brown. If yeah. Rashad Penny has 20, absolutely. You can, you can move on and do that. And so um, a lot I think of, you can also, we, you can also, th those types of tournaments are the ones where I'm more interested in doing the Devonte Smith plus AJ Brown plus Jalen hurts. Yep. Like plus Goddard. Right. That's where I'd be yeah. like, you know what? Screw it. Like, I just need Hertz plus two, like Hertz plus two in any of these playoff rounds. It's like, I'm already and if If I sacrifice my first round pick to get that, like I'm, I'm only taking, I only need to beat five other teams. Like, I think I'm probably okay. Like if I, you know, and now if I'm there with a bunch of other Hertz stacks, maybe I'm not, but you know, but that's also rare because in these smaller fields, a, there's only so many teams. So like right. there's only one Jalen Hurts team in every draft. And, and I'm going to use this bulldog as an example. There's only 432 teams total in the whole, in the, in the whole thing. And so that's not 432 Jalen Hurts teams. That's 432 total teams, right? So divide that by 12 to get the number of Jalen Hurts teams. How many 36. of them, how many <laughs> 36 Jalen Hurts teams, how many of them are just naked Jalen Hurts? How many of them have just AJ Brown? How many of them just have Devonta Smith or just Dallas Goddard? We tried. We took AJ Brown. We AJ Brown fell to us at the 111 in our Bulldog draft. And then uh at the beginning of the second round, we actually took Devonta Smith. Uh to try to do basically what you just you just outlined. Now Jalen Hurts went a couple picks before us in the the third round, but also that that was fine. 
Now we just made this big bet on the Eagles, but we didn't get Hurts. We're totally fine. But to your point, we specifically targeted that because A.J. Brown fell to us in this in this contest. Whereas in Best Ball Mania, so I don't know. I don't know that I'll have any of the premium uh, Eagles things, or, or I'm not sure I've even tried for it yet. I'm not saying that's right either, but I'm just saying I'm thinking about BBM differently than the other tournaments, and I think it's important that we we outline that. Yeah, and I, you know, I have played around with like trying to do the premium double. Um, I think in BBM, I don't know that I pulled it off in BBM. I was gonna say, do you have any? I'm not sure actually. I've done like 33 BBM teams, I think. I'm not sure if I have any uh, there. But it certainly is less interesting in Best Ball Mania, where you have to finish first out of 16, first out of 16 again. I mean, I do think that it's possible to advance, and it could be quite uh, – it could be interesting, you know, if you able are able to get like a, a low-owned Devontae Smith through to the final – Right. Or a low on AJ Brown because one That's of them the blows reason. up. That's the yeah. reason to do it is like you almost it's not a guarantee, but you almost do guarantee yourself. If it hits, one of those receivers like can't be super, super popular in the finals. Right. Yeah. I think that one issue that I have with it is that it's actually hard to complete. So if I knew that like if I take AJ Brown a little early, let's say ahead of Kelsey. You know, not like reaching up above Hill or, mm-hmm. or Cup, but I just take him ahead of Kelsey, and then I can get Devontae Smith very easily in the second, and then I know Hertz is always there in the third. I'd be more willing to do it. But the fact that I'm like, sometimes I, I've done it once in the puppy where Hertz got sniped and then I took Allen, and I was like, well, like, <laughs> like I'm just, maybe I can, but then I, you know, that might not be very good because now I've spent a ton of capital. I, it's like a little thin, right? You need that's like inter- can we talk about that though? For, can we talk about that though for a second? Because that's kind of interesting from a stacking perspective. We'll definitely get to the stacking without the quarterback, but this kind of is a some part of it. That too. is sort of stacking without the quarterback. But I mean, then you, what's a big perk of stacking without the quarterback? Generally, like I asked you at the very top, like oh, if you had it to do, you know, you had uh, you got to pick your absolute perfect stack or, or whatever. Part of mine might actually have, <clears throat> will almost assuredly have stacks without the quarterback but it's going to be with like the pocket passers so like last year (laughs) clearly didn't work very well uh because your team won with tom with tom brady but i wasn't drafting tom brady but i wasn't ignoring the bucks even though i was kind of like down on the bucks but like chris god i drafted a fuck ton of chris of chris godwin last year right like i was drafting these rashad white i know you you uh you know were big on rashad white last year i I was drafting the bucks a hundred percent but i was doing Essentially this stacking without the quarterback, because it's so hard for a guy who literally has no rushing in his profile. Aaron say Aaron Rodgers this year, I'm drafting the jets, but I really don't take Aaron Rodgers that much unless right. He falls past ADP. I don't have a quarterback yet. I kind of just need it. I'm not like going out of my way to, to take him, but it's because of kind of what you started to hint at at that example. You can still get the juice out of Hertz is a little different, but you can still get the juice out of the Eagles and then pivot to the Bills. And now you have just this mega team, right? Now you take Rashad Penny later and you load up with all those Bills you used in your example, right? Now you, you won't have digs, <clears throat> but maybe that's okay, right? You just piecemeal all these other, you get Gabe, you get uh, one of the tight ends, you get Damian Harris, you throw on Khalil Shakir later. And it's like, 
I don't know. Now I got, I'm loaded up with the Eagles and bills. I can kind of like ping pong around uh, different weeks. I almost feel like if that's not uh, uh, an interesting way to do it, I, you know, I don't know about Josh Allen hundred percent, but I think that that build is like kind of interesting from a stacking perspective. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And um, you know, when Liam won two years ago, he had Jamar chase, but he had Josh Allen, you know, of course. He did, right. right. So <laughs> he, he didn't, he didn't have Joe Burrow, you know, and <laughs> The, you know, you will see the elite quarterback separate some, but in terms of where you get the most separation and kind of what pieces are most likely to be like the absolute had to have pieces, they're going to be more skill players. You know, in, in his case, um, it was Amon Ross St. Brown. Like you had, you had to have Amon Ross St. Brown and Rashad Penny and Rashad Penny. Yeah. Um, but you know, you, despite Burrow going off, you could get by without him as field sizes increase, that becomes less and less the case you'll need closer to the pure nuts the bigger that the field is but you know best ball mania it's not exactly how i would have designed it this year but i kind of like that the field size you know is roughly the same as last year it's actually a little bit smaller so it isn't now to the point where we need to start thinking like we got to do single stacks like anything over you know round five we can only stack one because we need that Mm -hmm. guy to go off at the other we can't do this stuff where you can go in, you can kind of go in and basically understand that most likely one of Devontae Smith or AJ Brown's probably not going to do much this week, but you're just hoping the other one blows up. Like, nope, there's going to be a team in there that that has the right single stack and that's going to beat you. There might not be. You know, there's not that many yep. teams that sure, certainly sure. there will be single stacks, but they might not have the other pieces that you need. And there's so many roster spots compared to dfs there's 18 roster spots like if you have a uh you know a last round you know 16th round pick that puts up like 30 points i mean there's not going to be that many teams with that guy so now it comes down to who had that guy plus the right other stuff so that's why i think it's a much more nuanced conversation than a dfs where it's like yeah if you try to put together hurts Devontae smith and AJ Brown on a DFS lineup, you don't, if they, if one of those guys fails, like the, the lineup fails because they were so expensive. Um, if one of those guys fails in not just week 17, but week 15 or 16, in week 15 or 16, it can actually be good because it gives yeah. you leverage. And in week 17, you can overcome it. I, I did not have my second round pick hit my lineup in week 17. Saquon Barkley dudded out. Daniel Jones went off. Daniel Jones didn't hit my, my final lineup because, again, Quarterbacks don't always even hit your lineup, even if they have good good weeks, because they don't separate quite as much as. Yeah, he players. scored like thirty five points and didn't make your. It didn't hit my lineup, right? <laughs> that kind of thing can happen like way more frequently because you only start one. I mean, it's like it's just simple math, right? You only start one. So, but the the example I think still is interesting that second round pick Saquon Barkley doesn't do anything. Quarterback goes off. I did have him stacked with Wandale Robinson. He was injured and didn't matter. But, you know, that kind of general theory of things like worked out. I It didn't end up helping me in any way. But <laughs> but there was uh, at the same time, you would maybe think that not having my second round pick hit my lineup would have hurt me more than it did. But in fact, Saquon Barkley was hugely owned in the final. And being able to get there without him was helpful because uh, had Saquon gone off a lot more teams, you know, that looked like mine, right. Would have been uh, along for the, for the ride at the top of the standings, getting Mostert, 
who slotted in with like 19 points to replace Barkley was a huge blessing because most yeah. was not someone who was, who was nearly as well represented. It's so interesting because um, we started kind of with, it, it all does kind of end up coming back to this leverage idea. And we started with it on like, okay, uh, essentially the Damien Harris, Rashad Penny, et cetera, all that is, it, it, it's not just leverage because of course, like you said, you're making this big bet on this offense. There's ways that in any given week, they can, everybody can eat, right? If the pie is big enough, everybody can fucking eat in a, in a, a single week. We saw that with the Eagles last, last year. We see it with the Chiefs sometimes, right? We used to see it with the Chiefs um, when they had uh, Tyreek and Kelsey, right? It'd be like Mahomes, Tyreek, and Kelsey, and a running back would score 18 points or whatever because if, if that team scored 40-something, it's a lot of fantasy points to go around. So it's not that it's only leverage, but in this game, like we know inherently that leverage is like the most important thing in this whole freaking right. You snuck a Bucks stack, a Bucks with DJ Moore bring back stack into the into the finals, and Austin Eckler, who was hilariously not that popular in the final despite being the the RB one. Yeah, because on Justin Jefferson was. He just, yeah, exactly. It was hard it was to Justin get there without Jefferson. He just blew away the field, and he had a good playoff up until Week Seventeen, right? Mm-hmm. So, like you said, it's really hard to get there. But that isn't manufactured leverage. That was um, found leverage. It just luck. happened to it you. Was it was luck. <laughs> yeah. You stumbled yeah. across it, right? You didn't found follow leverage. the. There was there was no. <laughs> you weren't following some path to the end of the rainbow yeah. where it was this fucking pot of gold. It just landed. You know, it fell out. Of, it was. It's cloudy with a chance of meatballs. It just fell out of the fucking sky yeah. and landed. Yeah, it fell to in you. my lap. Yeah. 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 Which is, I mean, that's going to, that more often than not, that's going to happen. But we're also in search of ways to give ourselves leverage, if at all possible, when something breaks our way. The Jones one and was real leverage. The Jones one didn't hit. 100%. Right? But you could say I manufactured that leverage because yes. I took the running back and the quarterback. And as it turns out, right, Jones, I believe, was and running it did for hit. a fair amount it of did. those touchdowns. It did yeah. hit. It's just you didn't need it because you had the fucking nuts everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, not Mike Evans. I didn't actually. Have yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's more like what you're talking about. With you can manufacture the leverage if you take the running back and the quarterback. Um, and I think taking the running back and the quarterback, even if it's like more on the more expensive side, you know, is now. I guess do we have any real examples of that? But like, okay, I would say. Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson, I draft them together a fair amount. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm a really totally good one. fine with that. And a lot of people would be like, "That's so, like that, you just don't get what you're doing." Like, Anthony Richardson's going to steal all the all the rushing touchdowns, you know. So, so Taylor's not going to be. He's going to limit Taylor's receiving upside. And then, you know, if Richardson hits, it's because he rushes for a bunch of touchdowns. And so, what's yep. the point? You you basically just waste your first round pick, just bet on Richardson. Um, but my thing is. If we thought the Colts were going to be good, Jonathan Taylor would not be going in like the late second round or the mid second round. Correct. He's Jonathan Taylor. Bijan right? goes we- in the first. I dude, I love Bijan. He's an amazing prospect. He's going to be good on the Falcons and everything like that. But like Bijan's going in the first round. Jonathan Taylor, the former 101, you know, yeah. or top three pick in fantasy, is going late second. And I don't really know the difference <laughs> between the two, really. He's a, he's. Probably the best breakaway runner in the NFL. He's 24 years old. We have no age-related concerns with him at all. Uh, prime of his career. And the questions are, 
basically, are the Colts going to be good? Are the Colts going to be able to support scoring? Yep. And if Richardson hits, it's because the Colts are good, right? If he if he hits, the Colts like by <laughs> he's fact, why like, yeah yeah he, by definition are good. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. he makes them good. So to me, I'm like Colts are good, right? If I draft Taylor, the Colts are good. So I'm also interested in Love drafting it. Richardson because the Colts are good. So that, to me, I'm like this is easy. It's not. I don't have to get in the weeds of, oh, what if the touch, you know, the touchdowns, how are the touchdowns distributed? Like, I don't know that to me, that kind of overcomplicates it. Like, yes, I could run bad with the touchdowns where, you know, Taylor scores one and only has 80 rushing yards in week 16 and Richardson runs for one throws for one and doesn't have a big week in the team's dead. But like if the touchdowns are cannibalized, but cannibalized, to where Taylor runs for three one week. Sweet. Richardson's yeah. like a going in. I'm taking him in the nineties, late nineties, even in the hundreds now. He's getting into the hundreds now. Yeah. Yeah. So oh no. My late ninth round pick at quarterback didn't hit yeah. my lineup. Yeah. Oh God, how could I possibly survive? That I'll was be, Tom I'll Brady totally last fine. year, by the way. On the team that won was that was Tom Brady was never hitting your goddamn lineup la- last year. And then poof, you know, it yeah. happened in the uh week seventeen. Yeah, so I just, you know, I think like simplifying it a little bit and saying I'm just making a bet on the offense, you know, even with the more expensive guys, I think is still okay. There are probably points to where it wouldn't work, right? If let's say Desmond Ritter, and this is hilarious to think, but let's say Desmond Ritter was a third round pick, okay? (laughs) If I was taking Bijan first round, Desmond Ritter third round, Drake London fourth round, Kyle Pitts late fifth round, probably bad. That seems like it's that's probably too too much. But you know, that's like I, ahead of that. I probably am not really drawing a line right now. And 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 why you say that it that it's bad to make that clear for everyone is that <clears throat> the cost is obviously important. We, I think most people, if you're listening to this you have an understanding of kind of ADP and, and what that means and and why cost is important. But why cost is important in terms of over-investing in a stack is because, not because like it's necessarily 100% even wrong in spending a bunch of picks on the same offense. It is that when we're trying to navigate through this, four, there's four rounds of this of these contests, right? The regular season and three, three playoff rounds. You need enough juice, weekly juice, from your entire lineup because you inherently just drafted multiple guys who are not going to hit your lineup every week. It's borderline impossible, right? For four or five guys from the same offense, about, about as big of a certainty as there is in a game. That's nothing but uncertainty is that all of those guys are not going to hit your lineup consistently at least, and probably will only happen maybe in a good outcome a couple times a year. So you have just said, I got, I'm drafting two guys, right? And this is just going to happen naturally in a, in fantasy football. Guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to suck, whatever. Liam won with uh, what Zach Wilson or Justin Fields when he didn't do shit as a rookie or something like that. The guy that won drafters fucking cumulative scoring over 17 weeks had Zach Wilson last year as his, as his QB two. just absolute insanity. But you just said two guys are not going to make my life. So now I'm down to 16, Right for every single week, the cheaper you make those guys, the lower your projection gets 
the lower chances you have, right? You need like a fuck, you need serious injuries to happen to like get some contingent value for your late round guys. And then your opponents just have those guys too, right? Unless it's like Eli Mitchell or CPAT two years ago. So you just don't have enough juice in your lineup to make up for the fact that you just said, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm punting off a couple of my spots. Now, if you do it smartly, we just outlined why it might make sense. Maybe they do all hit your lineup. Maybe you're building in that manufactured leverage. There are ways to do it. It's just, it's that delicate balancing act. That's really, that's that's honestly really hard, but I think it's the right path to figure out how to, how to do that tightrope walk. I've done, and maybe you think this is, this is bad given that, you know, we just kind of outlaid, outlined how tough it is for those guys to all hit together. But the fact that Ritter isn't, um, you know, in the third round, he's in the last round makes, you know, betting on the Falcons more appealing. I also don't really care if I have Ritter I've done in the hundred percent um, five in a five, 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 which isn't quite as, you know, easy to advance in as the bulldog, but it's not best ball mania. Um, I believe that's what it was in. I did the, I did a Bijan London pits, which is definitely thin, but like <laughs> I get tight end eligibility with pits. And, right. you know, I, I get, you know, potentially I hit on one of the running backs you have to have this year in B. John Robinson. And then, you know, maybe London is a little more inconsistent because Pitts is really good. But I, you know, I'm still getting like a fourth, fifth round. I guess probably also concentrated. He goes so much though. later there. I, I don't know when I took him, but anyway. Also very, con- the, the, the concentration is a, <clears throat> an important variable though, too. We've talked about the Eagles. It's like, I mean, I like Dallas Goddard fine, but Dallas Goddard's like a 15 to 18% target share. I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't remember what it was last year, but it wasn't all that high actually. Cause it was, it's AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. Like we tried to come up, we tried to pipe dream about Quez and, and Zach Pascal and these guys as being like, Oh, this, we can toss this guy in the late round. None of that shit mattered. It was Jalen hurts, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith with a sprinkle of Dallas Goddard. So when it's that concentrated, it is easier for a those guys to just both have good seasons but b for them to hit your lineup at the same time or or right like you said the manufactured leverage comes into play because it's so concentrated that like some unless they get blanked on offense someone's doing something and it's there's only like three guys that it could be and that's what i I like about the falcons plus like you said if you want ritter a you don't have to do it similar to how the the commanders thing you don't nothing says you have to draft that quarterback The commanders is a better way to go because they profile as a potential Seahawks like offense where it's two dudes, it's two guys. So I can get the whole offense. If I have McLaurin, the whole passing offense, if I have McLaurin and I have Dotson, right? Mm -hmm. Like Logan Thomas isn't even being drafted. They're talking about using the tight end a little bit, but I'm a little, I'm, I'm skeptical, right? I know. I, I I take him, but um, uh, uh, that will be adjusted when camp comes around. If if I get the, the hint of of uh, oh my god, this guy's dust, or it's Cole Turner yeah. time, or something like that. And then Curtis Samuel, you know, I think is totally draftable, but he wasn't as impressive last year. If Dotson takes a second year leap and pays off his ADP, I think Samuel could be in a little bit tougher shape. He could kind of go to like a poor man's Tyler Boyd is you have the two yeah. guys emerging, right? So that's kind of the the hope there. And when you do those two stack together, tack on Hal if you want, you don't have to though, because you're getting the offense. The bet is you're, I, that's another mm-hmm. offense I just got. 
I just scooped another offense. I made a simple bet that the commanders score more points than people expect this year. And in that case, it doesn't cost you like that much to do it. And it's also in a range of drafts where I really want to be drafting wide receivers. If I'm going, you know, late fourth round McLaurin, early seventh round Dotson. I mean, I, I love that. I've done that. I've done that a fair amount. I love, I, I love it too. And that's another thing about the, just this whole stacking conversation is that we obviously always want to be cognizant of like what you just said. Uh, and what we talked about with the running backs too, right? The Penny, Damian Harris, and those kinds of things. It's all caveated by like making sure you're understanding the whole best ball landscape, the ADP pop, right? We always talk about like this pocket of the draft or, you know, people use dead zones and all that kind of stuff. But like you said, from, the late third to uh, eighth, ninth round, seventh for sure, probably eighth round. We get to. I always just keep using the Rashad Bate, Rashad Bateman is like you know the. Although the I would say line. with this cortisone thing, I'm I'm not particularly worried about it after looking into it more. But I think the market said he's he's with Sutton now. He's not a part of the crew. I think. Yeah. I'm not even sure who the I, last guy is anymore. Is it Brandon Cooks? Maybe. Cooks. Yeah. 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 Cooks. Yeah. Uh, I need to anyway, everybody gets the point. There's you Quentin can Johnson. all draw your 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 There's own a line huge yeah, yeah, somewhere around that in the 80s of ADP. They're in the 80s of ADP. You pick your personal line, whether it is Bateman, Zay Flowers, Sutton, um, yeah, Cooks, Quentin Johnston, etc. There's a group there because and why I say that is because after them is I mean, I love Jamo, but I love JMO, but he's suspended for six six weeks, so we obviously can't quite include him. If he were not suspended, a he'd probably go in front of these guys, but like he would be in this in this mix. He is suspended though. Michael Tom the court Michael Thomas. Oh, you know, <laughs> people are scared of Calvin Ridley. Michael Thomas hasn't played in the same amount of time as Calvin Ridley, and he's much older. Uh, I don't want to say much, but he is I, older. I draft some Michael Thomas sometimes. I know. I I literally just drafted him uh, last night um, because I'm very into the Saints. But there's Michael Thomas. I mean, Cortland Sutton also hasn't done shit in a long time. Right. Juju, Alan Lazard, Jacoby Myers, Tyler Boyd. Like we just I tossed Tyler Boyd in, in. I know. I draft all Boyd, these guys. Yeah. Some you get forced into it. Sky because, Moore, I draft now again. I'm back. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna get a round. Sky Moore steam part two is in the in the midst of happening I'm here. Sorry. He's separating I'm sorry from all drafting you. He's separating from all the. He's gonna pass Tony in a few. He's getting you know, athletic. He's the weeks. cover boy of athletic stories. What am I supposed uh, to do? fucking unsubscribe from the athletic apparently so that we can stop doing this sky more bit but but the point is like you said these things can fall into place where it's like like if you didn't want to do aj brown devonta smith you're like well look at these second round running backs tony bollard nick chubb you talked about jt saquon yeah. barkley Ramondre, yeah. Brees hall like maybe I don't want to invest in all of the Eagles offense because the alternatives are like guys that used to be like top five picks in fantasy, like Tony Pollard, Nick Chubb would have been top five picks five years ago in fantasy. Now you can get them in the late second round, right? JT was the one one nothing has changed except the offense probably has more upside. <laughs> That's downside too, but nothing has changed. Now he goes in the late second. Those things are important. The dots and McLaurin thing is like, I, we all have running backs around. I really like JK Dobbins again this year. But like these fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round running backs, like, I don't know if I don't have them, it seems fine. But again, because then look, 
10th round, there's Damian Harris, there's Rashad Penny, there's Antonio Gibson, there's all these guys. You navigate these pockets of the draft and you can combine these stacking things yeah, and be like, yeah. well, I'm in this spot. Let's just stack up Washington. Whether I take Howell or, or Brissett or whatever, who cares? Seattle. Want to stack up Seattle? Do it whenever the hell you want. DK Metcalf's always freely available after you know uh, the early tiers of wide receivers. Lock it in JSN. Get them whenever you want. Gino, get him whenever you want. Want to stack them up? Do you need Gino? Don't have to do it if you don't want Gino, right? Maybe you yeah. took an elite. You took Hertz. You don't need Gino, but you can still stack the Seahawks, right? right? I did it last year. Failed miserably, but did it last year with Pittsburgh. I don't want Big Ben. There's Big Ben has no use on my on my fantasy teams, but that doesn't mean Deontay and Pickens. And these guys can't eat, right? They can catch a bunch of Fryermuth. They can catch a bunch of passes. So you can combine all these different things to put them into this stacking thing. And I think that's part of what is also important. It's not just like, oh, just go stack the Eagles, dummy. Go stack the Bills. Like, it's, you have to kind of combine all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing I'd say about stacking is I don't go into drafts saying I'm going to stack this team, right? Like, yep. maybe if I'm looking at my exposure, I'm like, all right, no, whatever. Maybe I would sort of say... If it falls to me, even close to falling to me, I'm going to try to get this done. But, um, you know, it, it depends kind of where things land and, uh, you know, how the draft's going along. And then no matter who I've taken, I do want to start building in stacks around who I've taken or who I'm going to take, you know, that you can, you can also be aware of, you know, if you don't have a tight end through the end of, uh, you know, round six, Goddard's off the board already, right? You're you're kind of in the later round seven range. I will sometimes take Waller, and yeah, you know, now all of a sudden, I've got myself a Giants Rams stack around, and I've only taken one player, but I already know like I can I can get Daniel Jones if I want. If I don't get Daniel Jones, so what? I already have my Giant. I can easily tackle on Rams. I can go get Van Jefferson, Stafford, tackle on Tutu, tackle on Puka. Oh, yeah. Do whatever you want. I have actually not yet to tack on Puka, but uh, people like Puka, so I'll give him a little, little shout. I'm taking two. T- I took a little bit of Puka. The very first like blurb we got or whatever, I was like, ah, oh, I'll sprinkle some, some, some Puka in whatever. Who? Yes, eighteenth round, eighteenth round wide receiver, open depth chart, whatever. Higby P- also is free. Uh, totally free. Then Puka is like. You know the, the second coming of Sky Moore. The Puka's going like I. I immediately after the first couple blurbs it's like i'm seeing like 16th round puka like what the fuck just happened like all of a sudden he went from drafted in like one percent of drafts to people are like making him a priority at pick 175 or whatever so then now i'm i'm like back on two 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 now two two is getting the 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 hype now like i think just today yeah he just got a blurb today yeah but anyway i've been on two two the whole time welcome back point uh, point being dude i i drafted some two two last year and I can't. This is a hundred percent a leak in my game. I he was so good in college. He was good, like so good, like dominant. I, and I don't mean like oh he caught a bunch of long touchdowns or whatever. Like I'm not talking. This is this wasn't MVS. This was like forty percent target share. <laughs> like the the most dominant player in the ACC. He's like he an Elijah Moore level prospect, but just too small. He was just he's, crazy he's, he's, small. So it was so hard for me to separate. And like I, I've talked about this, I, college football DFS might be my favorite form of, of DFS. And like Tutu was like an autoplay and Louisville's defense. Louisville was like the Detroit Lions 
And Tutu was like when Amon Ra went on that run at the end of the year. Like it was literally, you just played him and they have Malik Cunningham was their former quarterback who's also a dual threat quarterback. It was like if Louisville was on a college football DFS slate, you were like, okay, I'm playing Malik Cunningham and I'm stacking him with Tutu and I'm playing at least another dude on the other side, maybe two because Louisville's defense is so, so fucking bad. It was like autoplay. And so like you watch a lot and I'm like, he's just like, awesome it's just god made him 150 pounds if he were 175 pounds like he would be like i mean he, he would have been a first round pick he would have been uh an elite elite prospect and so um i've really had a hard time like detaching myself from how good i think tutu is with the weight with the weight issues i can't wrap my brain or the just size issues i mean with for me tutu is like just put him out there because he looked good last year he was good you last know? year yeah so if I if there's reports that like no no they're gonna play two two then I'm in that's all I need just he's going to see the field I'm in I think he's good so I, I like getting him late and he helps knowing that you can get two two or probably Puka right if two two starts to get hype then Puka will fall away but there's a Rams wide receiver just like sitting there in the last rounds for you Van Jefferson's moved up because ETR uh, moves the market on all these guys <laughs> but um, you know he's Thank still God. not like super expensive. Thank God they do the guys like Van Jefferson that I don't give a fuck about to to move. Oh, I was drafted Van. I, I know. I mean, I drafted him some too, but like the fact that he moves up, I'm not like, God damn it, you know. know. Like it, it is like Jalen. Jalen Warren went from like pick 170 to like he's going to be in like the 110s. So like this is a meteoric rise, and I'm not happy about that because I, I want to yeah. draft Jalen Warren. Van Jefferson moving up is like whatever. I'll just draft two two if I don't have Van. I think I'll be okay. Yeah. The other thing I'll say about stacking. Um, it, you know, as you're kind of thinking through it as the draft goes on, one of the reasons I really like it, this is one of the reasons I like week 17 correlation as well, is that it forces you to draft players who you normally aren't going to draft. And look, I don't want to just, I, I had a friend who was asking me about, he plays fantasy, but doesn't really play best ball. And he was sort of saying like, you know, if you're drafting a bunch of teams this year, like, are you just trying to like cover like every player? And at that point, aren't you just sort of giving away, like edge you know what i mean like if you're if you have the guys you like shouldn't you just draft them and if you're just drafting them like how many teams do you really need to do you know fair question like right but the way i think about it is i'm gonna i want to draft as many really smartly constructed teams teams that make bets on specific offenses teams that are internally consistent you know they're they're betting on specific outcomes and they're built so that if certain outcomes occur they're going to vault to the top of the standings. They're going to advance more easily through the mm-hmm. playoff rounds, et cetera. If I have any Odell Beckham teams this year, which I actually do, even though I don't like taking them, I want them as part of Lamar Jackson teams. I want them correlated with Lamar Jackson has an absolutely insane season, the type of season that powers Odell Beckham to a comeback. You know, if I have any Dalton Kincaid teams, which I now have a few of, He's it's because he's falling past ADP is a big part of it with Kincaid. Cause I think Kincaid's wildly overpriced, but uh, he's stacked with Josh Allen. Like I'm not taking unst. So it's like, I am willing to full fade a guy, but if that guy is usually past ADP and then I have him stacked, at least if I take him there and I happen to be wrong on that player, that player has an amazing season he's helping that team more than just any, uh, like any regular old team. It's that I've at least now kind of harnessed that, that hit that I have less of than everyone else, Mm -hmm. but I have it 
on a team that is going to make the most of it. So that's why I think it's not just about kind of spreading out your exposures or, you know, taking smaller stands. It's that on the times that you do go away from your convictions on these player takes, you're getting more for when the conviction was wrong and this player ends up being a hit. Kincaid is a really good example of that, actually. Um, this And this is something that I've definitely tried to be cognizant of because, it, go, again, going back to what I was talking about earlier, that I, I am probably like a player take guy at my core, but I've really had to force myself out of being too, too stark with it. Not because I think that's wrong. That's, that's a discussion for another day about, you know, exposures and how do you handle your player takes and stuff. But I have tried to think through, even if I Dalton Kincaid, even if I dislike this player at, at this cost, if I'm wrong, what does that mean? What happens when I'm, when I'm wrong? Right. We talked about, I just talked about Van Jefferson. Like if I'm wrong about, and like I said, I was actually drafting Van. I'm, I'm, neutral to to van jefferson he's fine but like let's say i'm like i'm fuck that i'm not drafting any van jefferson he sucked he can't win me anything he might not even start puka's the guy right it's going to be puka and tutu and cooper cup if i'm wrong what happens not not nothing like (laughs) like uh, you know okay he catches a couple more touchdowns than i thought like ah darn you know he's high enough to where it doesn't hurt that much juju would be another example of like Juju's not gonna bury me what I have a good advance right. rate. I might be like, oh, I should have, I should have been more open minded because he had like a, you know, a twenty percent advance rate. But those are the, those are the losses. Like I, it's fine. Like if I, I'll eat that L, and it doesn't kill me. I can still win these tournaments if I didn't yeah. draft much Van Jefferson, Dalton Kincaid, especially when we start to factor in a falling price, like you said, past ADP. I think the market has generally soured on him a little bit. Um, most smart people have come out and said it took him long. He has enough. a he has a tough he has a tough path to like a really fantasy friendly kind of full time role. But as the price falls, like, what if we're all wrong about Dalton Kincaid? What if he what if he does just usurp Dawson Knox? He's you know running whatever percentage of the routes we want to call from from the Bills. We've outlined for multiple years now part of why gabe davis got so much steam last year was besides stefan diggs there is no one to get targets in buffalo buffalo diggs is now aging and uh his diva tendencies are apparently coming coming back out here this this offseason and gabe davis has basically proven to just be gabe davis right spike week guy never gonna generate a monster target share they didn't bring anybody else in um so what if kincaid is just fucking travis kelsey Right. I mean, it's a little bit of hyperbole, but what if first round pick talented wide receiver? Well, that probably means him and people Josh are going to tell, but, but Pitts is the actual example. I, I, a thousand I, yards it, as a rookie. Good. Th- th- very true. Pitts, 100%. If people are like, this dude sucks, the Falcons suck, blah, blah, blah. What if Pitts really is the transcendent player that some people believe he can be? No, sorry. I mean, Kincaid having Pitts rookie season. Oh, having Pitts. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, Pitts is actually another example. Probably actually, if Pitts is the best receiving tight end of, of all time. What does that mean? Well, Ritter's probably going to be okay. It means my portfolio looks pretty good right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. It means the Falcons are probably pretty good. Ritter's probably pretty good, whatever. But Kincaid is that like, if we're all wrong and this first round tight end is just awesome because he's a first round pick, he's a good receiver or whatever. The bills offense is going to be even better (laughs) because it's been awesome with Dawson Knox is just a dude basically. 
at at tight end. And so, like you said, thinking through that, it's like, well, I want my Kincaid bet to be on the right kind of teams that say when Kincaid is a star, he, this team is going to win the whole goddamn tournament, right? That's right. why, even though it's become a pretty popular thing to do at the four or five turn, it's why Justin Fields and DJ Moore is something I don't want to be underweight on um, and, and uh, say whatever you want about the bear situation. We don't need to go into the past volume stuff again, but the ceiling outcome on Justin Fields and DJ Moore, like breaking out together almost is like, uh, not almost it's, like that's, that's what would happen. Justin right. Fields becomes a star as a passer in those scenarios, like DJ Moore at, and, and the reverse is like even more true. Like if DJ Moore crushes a late fourth round ADP, I want fields. Yes. You want fields on that team. Right. But not every stack is like that. It is. There are these certain things that you have to think through. Like, like, like the bucks. I take some Godwin and Evans. I was taking them a little bit more early. I've kind of soured a little bit on them. Uh, mainly too. just, uh, there's a lot of, there's a, just a lot of receivers in that range. And like, none of them have Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask as their quarterback. So I feel like kind of like the other guys, but it, there's not a situation where it's like, Oh Yeah. These two ceilings are correlated, man. Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield, right? Like, what if Baker bounces? I guess technically, like, what if Baker bounces back? But, like, let's be realistic. That's not something that's really even in the range of outcomes versus these other ones. When I'm stacking that, like, like you said, Mike and Cade teams are going to be smartly built. Whereas, like, yeah, my Mike yeah, Evans yeah. teams, it's just like, I don't know. He's the best receiver available here. I'm going to mix yeah, Mike Evans. Exactly. I don't really care. I'll mix in Mike Evans. I probably should mix in Mike Evans actually more than I do. I, th- I probably. Like, I view Godwin and Evans as like fairly similar bets, actually, which I'm awful on the market in. I think the market strongly prefers Godwin, but I end yeah. up with more. I have, I'm probably even the discrepancy is bigger there. This is maybe one thing we should talk about in the future. Like getting your exposures the way you want them can be tough because the way that the market kind of pushes you certain really directions. hard. Yeah. So I, I'd rather be overweight Evans and underweight Godwin, but it's the reverse for me right now. Um, but, you know, those guys are not ones where I'm – I don't even really like taking them together. That's one of the few ones that I don't really take together because I, I feel like they're – like I would like for they're, – they're most positively correlated if like one of them gets traded, mm-hmm. I think, you know. I think that's um, the, probably the reason to take them together. That would be the, the main reason, reason yeah. is Evans yeah. gets shipped to Buffalo or whatever. They don't have super tradable contracts though. And, you know, with Hopkins still sitting out there, and they, it doesn't – I don't know. Maybe Godwin would be the the guy that people got more excited to trade for, but he's I think harder to trade. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm not taking a ton of those guys together, and I don't feel like I need to bet on you know them to be tied to their quarterback because we, yeah, we want to be looking at the ones where it's actually realistic, where it's like we're already kind of as a collective making a a bet on Fields as a potential big time breakout candidate. How does it happen? You know, same as. Uh, Josh Allen, like he's going very expensively. So what's one of the ways where that is like ends up looking cheap? I mean, one of the ways would be if Kincaid's a superstar. I don't think mm-hmm. that all that likely. That's why I don't pair them all, you know, that frequently. But, you know, it's uh, it's definitely possible. Uh, Odell Beckham is, a, is maybe an even better example of that. Like I have taken Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman, Say Flowers and Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. I've done the, the full triple stack of the wide receivers. I haven't gotten Andrews there. If I had Andrews, I would probably just skip Beckham. But I'm like, you know what? Beckham's cheap enough in a range of the draft where there's really like no other wide receivers 
to where like if he broke out of this range, then it would actually be like quite helpful for this particular team, the way it's constructed, because it'll be sort of a contrarian, you know, structure um, to be and allows me to maybe get more running back help early or whatever kind of or bails me out from having gone running back early. Um, and if Lamar, Lamar does actually strike me as the type of quarterback that could support a, you know, let's say two receivers on the seven, eight turn and a guy in like the, you know, the end of the 11th is probably where I'd be taking Beckham. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's certainly not taking at the end of the night. So, <laughs> you know, but in that kind of, in that kind of range. So that's like, it's not that expensive. If Lamar pays off an early fourth round or late third round ADP, they have more passing volume. They actually lean into him as a passer. He still runs a bunch, you know, maybe Andrews misses some time. I can I can see it right and mm-hmm. and I do not like drafting Odo Beckham. I don't really like drafting Zay Flowers at his price. I'm still in on Bateman, but I'm willing to take in that case like two wide receivers who I don't feel that good about. But at least the team is like very internally consistent. It's it's making a clear bet that Lamar breaks out in a huge way as a passer this season on more volume. I love that. And just quickly, the merry-go-round of Ravens wide receiver ADP has been rather humorous to watch this offseason. It started, and I I, I don't know about uh, DraftKings or Drafters, so I apologize. I've been drafting on Underdog for the last week or so. Shout out to them with the, what was it called? The the Chihuahua and stuff. Some of these contests are really fun. Uh, I like some of these contests to like play around with stuff uh experiment with different things some of the things that we're talking about here like i have teams like you just outlined lamar and all the wide receivers and uh you know maybe i have uh tyreek and waddle on that and we're really having fun you know with that week 17 the teams i i know i've done that i don't think i've done that baseball mania i've done it in the puppy i have in the puppy too i've got some teams like that i've done a lot of lamar stuff in the puppy too yeah i love I, i lamar is the guy that again taking into account like the landscape and stuff a i think the ravens are we talked about fields and the bears but i think the ravens are like the cleanest bet when you like factor in everything the the prices and the pockets where all these guys go is like so smooth man like you could you could realistically draft like every raven basically and they would probably fall in a spot where you're like yeah i could make a case they're the best guy on the board or like we just talked about how Bateman and kind of Zay Flowers could be perceived as a cutoff at wide receiver, a drop right there. They're the the line in the sand where you, you really don't want anybody after them and everybody before them is all kind of bunched together. Mark Andrews goes after basically other than Brees, he goes after like all the elite running backs and all the elite wide receivers and all the elite quarterbacks essentially besides Lamar, I guess Lamar goes after all those guys in this range the late third right from like Ridley and those guys down to freaking I don't know, Christian Kirk is like 20 wide receivers that I don't know there. Yeah. I just throw my hands up every draft and like <laughs> mix them around. So like, again, they go in these pockets where it's like JK Dobbins goes in the late fifties or something, which again is this big wide tier in the whole draft. Odell goes in the wide receiver dead, dead zone where you don't, the juju zone where you don't want anybody. It's like, Every the Raven stacks fall together so clean, and so that's a thing where it's like if I'm not forcing it, like the Eagles one, like you, you talked about earlier, why you know it, it may be tough to force yourself to even try for the Eagle stack. 
the Ravens tech, you don't have to try. It just happens, man. Like those guys are the best player on the board. A lot of the times when you just come up like constantly, and those are the ones where it's like, yeah, I'm just going to be overweight that a, I like them. I think the upside bet with Munkin in town and, and the new weapons in town and everything is, is smooth. It, it's so easy to see this being a big hit, but also it's like, it's kind of like a small loss. Like, I don't know, other than Lamar getting hurt again, I, I, I don't really see how you lose that much on these guys at, at these prices. So just everything comes together. And that's another, again, important part about all this is like, I don't have a lot of Eagle stacks because of other factors. It has nothing to do with the Eagles. It's other factors. I have a lot of Raven stacks. Of course, I like the Ravens, but it has a lot to do with all this other shit too, price and pockets of the draft and all that. For sure, yeah. I also think like understanding how the stacks come together and getting familiar with how those stacks come together, like you're, you're talking through the Ravens one, it's like a really easy one to get your head around because you can do it with Andrews if you're really lucky right now, but it's hard. Um, but then or you the have receivers... Or you have to reach, which you don't. You I, I don't love to do, but I mean, I'm going to do it a little bit because I want to have, like, I like, I've I want to have, I want to have Tyreek, Lamar, okay. and Andrew. Like, I want to have teams yeah. that have that. I want to have. I, I've done it with like Jefferson. It's like everybody. That's who I've done it with. Yeah. More likely, do it with Tyreek, but like, I want to have Justin Jefferson with a Lamar Andrew stack. Like, I don't want to have zero of that. Those three players together, and you won't get it unless you do it at the two three turn. So uh, I'm just going to do it a few times. Not anything crazy though. Yeah, I've done it a fair amount at the two, three turn in the puppy, probably like, I don't know, four times or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, that that's another thing, right? If you're going to do stuff like reaching for stacks, stacks, I would do it in tournaments that are limited in the time. Don't, right? Because it, it might be the case that all these quarterbacks fall. And as a late third round drafter, I know that I have a, like a realistic shot at Jalen Hurts in any given draft and I've got AJ Brown. Right. So that means I'm much less likely to just be the guy who scoops up a, a falling Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson might settle into the fourth. And so all of a sudden getting Andrews Jackson in three, four might be very common. It, it, it could August. become very common. Yeah. in in August and uh, someone might say a, a galaxy brain person like myself might say, well, really it's just like a, a player combination thing. Right. Instead of taking them at the two three turn with Justin Jefferson, you're going to take them at the three four turn with Ceedee Lamb and Amon Ra St. Brown. It's really just kind of like a two v two game that you're playing. But the you can always go back and reach on them, right in August. If you want them with Justin Great Jefferson, point. you can you can do that in August too. Now it's a bigger reach, but who gives a fuck? It doesn't. It really doesn't matter. If you're going to reach, you're going to reach. It doesn't really matter uh, if they're three, four turn picks or mid third round. Right now, they're like mid third round picks. It's not, there's no difference. You can always go back and get those other player combinations, but you, you can't, if you take them now, right? You can't have that back. You don't get that back, but you can always go do it again later. It's kind of the inverse of, uh, people will say, get really like <laughs> shout out to the people in, in the spike week discord. People probably brought it up in your discord as well. Like, Oh my God, I never get the one Oh two. They're like, I, I, I want to have Jamar chase, but I just, I've gotten the one Oh two once out of 25 drafts or whatever they're, I'm running so bad. And they're like, should I take Jamar chase one Oh one? I'm like, you are never going to be able to get those Justin Jefferson teams back. If you do not right. take him at the one Oh one, this is the inverse of that. You can always go back and reach on these to adjust. If you like, I don't have enough Lamar Andrews. I don't have any with Justin Jefferson. You can do that whenever you want, 
but you cannot go back and retroactively, right? Oh shit. I took chase one one The next thing you know, you get the one Oh two, like eight drafts in a row. Yep. And now you're overweight chase and underweight Jefferson. Like, you know, it's just little things um, to take into account when you're drafting tons of teams, you know, like, I think it's a great point. People are. Yeah. I love that. But in these time limit tournaments, you know, taking them at the two, three turn, you know, that it's a snapshot. No one's going to get the, you know, we're just not going to see like four twelve Lamar in in any of these puppies, or you know, maybe one really really weird one. But but that's not <laughs> going to be uh, common ADP. Um, but with with a stack like Lamar, like if you are really familiar with the way this, and you know, it does require drafting a, at least somewhat frequently because these things always kind of are shifting around. These are we're building houses on sand here. But it's <laughs> like uh, for right now you know that there's a good chance that you can get Bateman and Zay Flowers on the 7-8. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you probably can get Odell. I would be kind of pushing Odell, especially if I have both those guys. Even one of those guys, I might push Odell. But if you feel better about Odell than I do, you know you can get him pretty easily in a, in a range of the draft where there's not a ton of reason to want to take wide receivers generally. It opens up running back picks earlier, right? You can yeah. take... Dobbins is a guy that I take a lot. That's another, we talk about the running back. I take a lot of Dobbins with Lamar Jackson because mm-hmm. he comes back. Not only does Dobbins stack with the Ravens and I'm just betting on the Ravens to be awesome. The Ravens to return to a couple years ago where it's like they're blowing out teams, kind of an Eagles like Ravens run this year. Lamar's healthy under contract, new receivers, new OC. And we're all sitting there like, how were, why were we doubting Lamar? He has the highest upside. He's the one who scored the most points of any of these quarterbacks. He's got weapons. They're going to, they told us they're going to throw more. He's under contract. He's happy. He's been there for months. Like he's had a chance to work out with these guys, blah, 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 blah. We're, you know, I, I just think the upside cases on this stack are, are pretty obvious. And I like, so I like tacking on the running back. I like, I'll tack on Gus Edwards to the, this stuff too. But to this point, in the cases where I'm tacking on Dobbins, it's not just that I'm betting on the Ravens. It's that I'm taking a running back in a range of the draft where I don't tend to take a ton of running backs generally. So I'm getting kind of a, a little bit of different texture to my drafts, mm-hmm. taking a running back there. I could also mix in a running back in the late first or the early second. If I if I kind of basically have penciled in maybe Lamar for the third or, or whatever, it certainly makes things easier for me if I've already done an early running back that's one detour. Lamar's two detours, right? But then I can maybe even get away with a third running back detour because I'm thinking that I can take wide receivers in seven and eight. So that mm-hmm. takes me to my fifth wide receiver through eight rounds very easily. It's a stacked wide receiver with my quarterback. It's also a rookie, you know, assuming you go Bateman Flowers, a rookie is that wide receiver five is kind of interesting because I'm betting on that. I've got depth at the position now, and I'm betting on someone to come on as the season goes on. Uh, so I think that's kind of an interesting way to play a wide receiver five in general. So just like it, it's like one of those things where if you're doing the, if you know kind of how the Lamar Jackson stack with the receivers tends to go, it's a little different if you do it with Andrews, but with the receivers, what does it unlock in other rounds of the draft? You know, that seven, eight wide receiver double tap unlocks running backs before round seven a little bit more easily it's it's such a perfect point because i think it's easy for us to and and to a certain extent everyone does this and everyone should when we say the phrase 
like let the draft come to me to to a certain extent that's just how a fucking snake draft works right you don't get to pick yeah. you know it's not like it, it has you don't to come bid to you. in uh, yeah like it, for, for you don't get, yeah, yeah, yeah we're on the 202 it, now so pipe down right, right. <laughs> exactly so like technically yes everyone is letting the draft come come to them but what i what i think the difference is is that everyone draft not everyone the, most of our opponents draft what i would call front to back right i got my first round pick okay i took aj brown okay who's up who, who's who's available in the second round uh, oh oh look uh eckler fell past adp boom taking him third round uh okay dk metcalf's the top guy on the board taking him whatever and then like you get to the eighth round and you're you're like oh you're looking at the queue oh okay now i'm gonna do this now i'm gonna do that because i drafted those first four five six guys I like to, of course, you have to do that to a certain extent. Like I said, every, it's a snake draft. It has to kind of come to you. But I like to think about it how you did, which is more like back to front, right? I, like you said, uh, I, I know Lamar where Lamar goes. And then because I know where Lamar goes, like you said, it allows me to not only think about my first two picks, it allows me to think about my next several picks thereafter because of what the Ravens offer with Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman, right? Not every offense is like this. But uh, we, you, you mentioned before, uh, uh, which is going to also partially segue into another kind of subject or question I want to ask. But you mentioned like the Rams and the Giants, frankly, both sides of that game uh, is one I need to. That is one I'm being cognizant of, of like, I don't think my exposure is high enough to, is high enough to that to that game. And it makes no sense because everyone is free besides Saquon Barkley and, and Cooper Cup. And both offenses look pretty good. Both defenses don't look very good. Uh, you know, I. It makes too much sense, and yet I don't have as much exposure to it. So that's one of those things where I'm dictating it. But that's one of the examples of of sim not not the same thing as the Ravens, but like I know inherently I can get a giant or a ram whenever I want, any position. Yeah, yeah. Literally any position. You want one of the Giants backup running backs? You want one of the Rams backup running backs? Sure, that's a fucking lottery. You know, you want to talk about Cam Akers is lottery. very affordable, you know. Acres is affordable. Waller is. We went from Waller at the two three turn to now Waller in a better situation, probably at least for like volume and and upside. Now going in the eighties. Daniel Jones. I don't know what that guy's got to do. He just crushed know, last year, right? and he's and he I, goes I, super. <laughs> he goes super cheap, but right. I'm not saying we should love Jalen Hyatt, but Jalen Hyatt is a won the freaking Bolitnikoff and is a, a a spike week type uh, receiver who's now gotten down into the 170s, right? Paris Campbell, two two Van, blah blah blah. Everybody's free, but like if you just go through your draft and you just say, okay, I took this guy in the third round, now I'm going to take this guy in the fourth round, and you don't say, okay, you know what? I'm going to take Cooper Cup here, and then ah, I didn't get Saquon. Okay, that informs the fact that now there's Waller. There's um, all those Giants wide receivers that go literally outside the top 170. There's Daniel Jones. There's, and then on the Ram side, right? There's Akers, there's Stafford, there's Higby, there's Tutu, there's all this. These are all late round guys. Van, these are all late round guys. So now what does that mean for my second through, right? My second through seventh round picks. That means something different for them. And so I'm, but I'm planning from the back. Yeah. Because it's, I started, okay, cup, got cup. Now I now I think about what does that mean, right? Same thing with the Ravens. What does it mean when I take Lamar here and I let's say I don't have Andrews? Well, that means I'm going to be looking at Zay and Bateman. So now I got three rounds in between here, right? Now exactly. what do I do? And that's those are more the rounds that I'm focused on because I like I love Brees Hall, right? If Brees Hall falls, 
to the 311. I'm taking them, dude. I'm taking them. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if Lamar's there. So I, I haven't set up, you know, I'm not like so in on Lamar right now that I'm thinking about him, to be honest, in in rounds one or two. I'm I'm really not. But as soon as I take him, first of all, it, it definitely kind of bails me out a little bit. If I did go, let's say I went Bijan or Eckler and then a and then a wide receiver. Definitely and I could take Lamar. Out. It yeah, feels like, yeah, I, I feel much better about the start because then I I know I'm going to be targeting three wide receivers no earlier than like the 7-11, right? So I've got – I'm going to be taking some more wide receivers. I only have one to that point, so I'm going to be taking a few more wide receivers. But not only do I feel better about my round one running back selection, I might throw in another one, you know, in between because I know I have that flexibility. If I don't have any to that point, I can go, man, I'm going to take two. I'm going to take a really – I'm going to take a falling value on, you know, someone that I don't normally draft, you know, mm-hmm. and that that's another thing I've tried to take advantage in those builds is like, I don't really love taking Alexander Madison right now or Damian <laughs> Pierce. I don't tend to take a lot of, you know, but if those guys fall, you know, I will, I will if, um, or, or whatever. Oh, Aaron Jones is another guy, right? Aaron Jones is one of the guys. Cause he falls. I'm, we're talking like late fifth. So if he fall, mm-hmm. or maybe I'll throw him around the wrap and try to get him in the early sixth. Yep. On some of these Lamar teams, but taking those guys where I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't hate Aaron Jones this year. I do, it's just, it's just more that I need the wide receiver in that round. Yeah. But Lamar in a vac in a vacuum in most drafts, you need that wide receiver there. But because you took Lamar, you it's not that you don't need the wide receiver there, but you have a wide receiver I that you know is coming. Yeah, you've got one coming. Yes, and the the Giants and the in the um, Rams one, I do that one a lot. And partly I do it because I don't like the late. I don't take Eric Gray. I don't take Matt Breida. Maybe that's a leak, but I don't. I don't take Kyron Williams. I don't take Zach, and, Zach Evans. I probably come in gonna combination take taking. Going to start taking I don't Sony. take Sony. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm just, I'm not really, not to say that I won't later, but I don't feel like I have clarity on them right now, so I'm just not really taking them. Okay, so I'm. What am I taking? Well, I like Hodgins. I like Slayton. I'll take Jalen Hyatt if he falls way past ADP, and he's actually he's fallen so much in ADP. I'm starting to to get more interested. I'll take Tutu. I'll take Van. You know, there's lots of pieces there that I'm willing to take. They are all wide receivers, so 100%. that informs what I'm doing, right? If I've if I've set up, if I've got Cooper Cup and Darren Waller, right, and then I tack on. Daniel Jones. I'm now going to push any wide wide receiver picks. I might go through, you know, into round 14 with only five wide receivers, you know, entering round 15, only five wide receivers. Cause I know I'm tacking on wide receivers late. My late round picks are going to be mostly wide receivers. So why would I, why would I box myself out by taking like a sky more in the 10th round? That actually hurts my overall team plan. Like I know those late rounds are going to be, easy to take those wide receivers later and that's where if you if you do it this way if you say okay not that i know for a fact those wide receivers will be there but there's a good chance i'm going to be because there's so many of them that i'm going to be taking some late round wide receivers on this build i want to be in a position where i go to the you know i'm on i'm on the clock and the guy that i want is sitting right at the top of queue the Mm -hmm. position the, the exact player that just fits this team, I want him to be sitting right at the top of the queue. And you achieve that in, you know, this Rams-Giants example by passing on a Sky more and, and taking a running back instead. 
you know, by passing on, you know, a wide receiver in the, the 12th round, right? You, you, no, I'll grab Jalen Warren here because I, I actually – I'm going to get a running back and fill out my running back and feel really strong. Even if I – let's say I have four running backs at that point. So what? I'll take my fifth running back, get that taken care of because this is a Giants-Rams thing, and I know there's a bunch of wide receivers late. I'm not going to be taking late-round flyers so much on running backs. I'm going to be spending them on correlated wide receivers. Uh, selections. I I love that so much, and um, I was it it also kind of reminded me. Um, I wanted to look at my some of my Cooper Cup teams, and it's funny because um, I actually don't think I've. I mean, no one uh, spends more time thinking of thinking through <laughs> wasting their brain space thinking through stupid galaxy brain best ball ideas um, than me and and all the other sickos listening to this. But I I think it was just like partially subconsciously happening which is funny that we're talking about it now but with cooper cup teams what's happening a lot for me is this is a specifically uh this example of kind of back to front or knowing what is available to me that makes sense on a cooper cup team and drafting it accordingly so i have these i'll call them they were they're definitely zero rb builds for other people for me like i will sometimes take my my zero rb a little bit more extreme but I'm hammering the elite wide receivers, right? So I take Cooper cup and I say, okay, like you said, I know what is available with those wide receivers later. I know that if I need Stafford, if I need Higby, I got those guys in my back pocket, but I know, I think my personal preference is there's that Waller Daniel Jones kind of combo available to me from, you know, Waller at 85 or whatever. And Daniel Jones at 100, 110, something like that is his ADP. Yeah. And I would love to get that pair because I have this superstar wide receiver that would give me elite quarterback upside, elite tight end upside. Right. And, and, that, and a and, superstar wide receiver, one of the advantages of superstar wide receiver is that they can basically be a whole offense. Yes. So in some ways they're like a perfect bring back. Exactly. And so then when I get this, right, the, the all this, that's so perfectly, perfectly said, and you combine it with this rushing quarterback who we just saw get there last year as a rusher without really popping off to any, to any of his, of his wide receivers, they're fine, but nothing super special. And, but now this elite tight end who the reason why the, the, the Darren Waller bull case is that he's like the most target dominant tight end in the league because their wide receivers are not very good. Right. Yeah. This I mean, Gretz has is... been making the the bull case that he is their ex wide receiver. Basically, I mean, that <laughs> I mean, would be is pretty a, sweet. He was a former wide receiver. I mean, he's a converted yeah. wide wide receiver. So, like, what yeah. if he is just their wide receiver one? Right. That's been like the Pitts bull case. We've been making the Pitts bull case that he's just a wide receiver, right? Who's classified as a tight end, and maybe that's true. But that's the thing for Waller is like, no, this dude's just going to have like a twenty eight percent target share, right? And yeah. and yeah, yeah. down the field and in, in the end zone, etc. So now you dominated tight end. You didn't dominate quarterback, but you got basically elite quarterback production, but you know, at pick 105. And you got the whole Rams offense in Cooper Cup, which has actually pretty much been he has been the whole Rams offense for two years. So what does that mean now? Well, I know that I'm probably going to be attacking on a, a giant or a couple giants later, right? Let's say in this instance, I don't, I, uh, you know, because I will look at Saquon in the second round, because that's a pretty fun one. You want to talk about two guys who could just be the whole offense in the game. It's those two dudes. I got one of the, I got a, I passed on that once. Got him in the third. Oh, that, that wow. feels good. Maybe I am going to try that now because, uh, 
to hold out. Once you once you get him that. in the third, I'm like, well, I'm never, I will never, never. take him in the second again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll feel nothing if I stack him in a second. I have to only get him in the third. Is that what it's like? Uh, I feel like for you now, like when you enter like the Chihuahua, it's like, I don't know, man, I just won Best Ball Mania 3, and now I'm going to draft a 25 max $4, $4 tournament, uh, you know, 25 teams in two, day, in two, day, in I two w- days. I wish it was more like that. I got seven Chihuahuas in, and then I was like, I got to get this article done, which I did get done. And it's, it's, a, it's currently in the hopper to go out Monday morning. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't max enter the Chihuahua, but I got in seven still. So, I did, so I'm not I, quite there. I have not slept a lot over the course of the last couple of days and I'm blaming the Chihuahua because I did, I did get it in. Um, but there hasn't been a whole lot of sleep over the last 40, 48 hours. So thank you, underdog. It was a very I, fun I contest. It. I love it as a contest, a small contest like that. Fast drafts only. I mean, Fast it does only 25 max per, you know, 25 per person. So like, you know, us sickos can't just like take over the whole tournament, right. With a bunch of people drafting one fifty. Yeah. Um, it's and nice. it makes it, it's, if it's $4, it's even smaller. It's flat payout structure. Like there's, it's just natural that like it, they should create tournaments that make people question that are high entry drafters. Like, is this really worth my time? Cause that, <laughs> that way, like there's <laughs> that way I'm not max entering it. Right. Uh, yes. and, and a bunch of other sickos aren't max entering it, which is which is probably good for the ecosystem. Definitely. So so anyway, just to wrap this Cooper Cup kind of Giants thing, because then I do want to. It's a, that one's a good segue to uh, what we've started. Well, we started calling oh shit stacks here at Spike Week, which these two of these offenses could be considered that. But so Cooper Cup, right? Take Cooper Cup like, for this example. Say Saquon's not a thing. <clears throat> Or I tried to push Saquon to the third because Kareem told me it's possible and then it didn't work. So I don't have Saquon. I know. I'll show you the team. It's real. I know know that I'm going to be right. I know that players that make sense for this team, where they go later. And it's Waller in the 80s, Daniel Jones in the early 100s, and then nothing but late round guys. Literally all late round cam makers, but. Let's throw him out for this example. So I know like for those from round two to, to Waller, like I kind of have this freedom. And so then I take this step back and I say, okay, well, I know I want to be able to like set up another stack, right? With another quarterback. I know that maybe a second round running back or that third, right? That, that tier of pop, you know, Pollard, Chubb, Ramondre or something. One of those guys could make sense, but I also know that I'm going to run into this zone of the draft after Daniel Jones, right? So like maybe before Waller or sometime around Waller and after Daniel Jones, or maybe even there's a guy in between those two where like, eh, there's no wide receivers. Mm -hmm. Like that's the juju zone, right? Between Waller and Daniel Jones. And thereafter is like the juju zone, Odell, Zay Flower or uh, uh, Zay Jones, Jacoby Myers. So like, okay, there I'm probably going to be taking running backs, but at the end, I'm going to be taking these giants and Rams wide receivers. So it's like, then you, it's like almost starts filling out your lineup for you because you know what you're going to try to do. Like literally all you did was take Cooper, (laughs) take Cooper cup and you didn't take Saquon. And now like, okay, well, 85 is Waller hundred is Daniel Jones. And then my last two picks are these wide receivers. And then you say, okay, well, where do the running backs where are they the best picks? 
they're like, oh, okay, well then let now let's drop Damian Harrison the tenth round, right? And and Kendra Miller in the eleventh round, and like I just start dropping these guys into the team, and you're like, oh, it just like makes itself out. You're like, okay, I'll take a detour for a running back. Okay, Dobbins, Dobbins, right? Uh, I got three yeah. wide receivers. Let's take Dobbins here. Like, oh, okay, uh, I took Amari in the in the third round. I'll I'll, I'll take. Watson as my other guy, right? Maybe I took, maybe Brees was a detour and I, I somehow got Amari. Like, oh, okay, got that. Let's, let's throw a lot. It'll, this will be a Watson and a Daniel Jones team, right? It's just like, it all just like falls together for you from a stacking perspective when you like know what those games and those teams and right. The Giants are such a good one because it's like, you want a giant stack, dude, take it whenever, whenever yeah, yeah. the hell you want. But knowing that, right? Like the Eagles are the opposite end. You want the Eagles first, second, third round. <laughs> like you have to know that too. So like, um, I just thought it was interesting. Like, cause the, the, the Rams giants ones, it, it like starts to make your draft for you when you've made like two selections. Yeah. And I would say, so the Rams giants one. Okay. What I like to do there is I continue correlating as I go through, you have this big range of the draft before you get to Waller, right? And you just keep correlating, keep correlating because Waller just got sniped. So this whole plan that you had yeah. is no longer actionable. A hundred percent. What do you do now? Well, I took Terry McLaurin in the fourth, and then I took Brandon Ayuk in the fifth. So right there, I can go, all right, I can push that. That can be Purdy. You know, I've got that as a mm-hmm. setup. And that's already, you know, stack, bring back. You know, if Kittle comes, well, you would already get sniped on Waller. So you wouldn't have taken Kittle, but... You know, you can grab you can grab Elijah Mitchell later on as one of your running backs, break a tie to that, continue betting on the 49ers that way. There aren't a ton of like other I'm not tacking on Juwan Jennings or anything, but if I've got Ayuk, Elijah Mitchell, Purdy, I feel pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. If I didn't get Elijah Mitchell and I end up with Brian Robinson, right? And I'm a different human being, maybe I take <laughs> Sam Howell, you know? <laughs> 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 but I actually have yeah. taken Sam Howell occasionally, and that that would be one of those ways. Is I set up a Purdy thing. Purdy gets uh, he's moving up a bit. He gets sniped, and I'm like, you know, I really do need the other quarterback here. I'll grab Howell. Whatever. I already had it set up for this game, so hopefully Howell's uh, out there and doing stuff. But um, if you and it doesn't have to be that game, obviously. But you're you're just kind of like correlating things as you go within this window of flexibility that you talked about with this particular stack. Because that protects you from snipes. That is like if that original plan, you're not so locked in on that original plan. You've got it in the back of your mind as a it's possibility. It's your plan, but you have endless uh, yeah. fallback options. You you create And you create those fallback options as you go by continuing to build in correlation, adding, you know, I was talking about week 17 correlation with the McLaren and Ayuk thing. But if you take Tyler Lockett, if you're on the other side of the board and you take Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, you've set yourself up for a Geno thing as a potential fallback or Mm -hmm. just as a quarterback too. But just to be able to get a double stacked uh, quarterback too, if one of your stacks gets blown up, it's like, Oh no, like I have a, I have another bet on an offense without the quarterback. Is that whatever stack you had set up that doesn't go through, you still have, it's just without the quarterback. Then you have a double stacked Geno, right. And then you figure out a way to get, an additional third uh, stacked quarterback or third stacked team, your second stack quarterback on the roster. And at that point, it's a stronger team than it would have been. You know, this is the kind of the point that I was making in my article um, 
about, you know, not not worrying if someone snipes your quarterback so much. It obviously is a problem if you end up with like a jumble of random assorted players, like the chances that those particular guys end up being exactly the right guys is pretty low. You want to get things, you want to put yourself in a position to get fewer things right, right? Benefit on being right on just a few offenses, you know, take advantage of correlation. But if you, if that's something you want to do, why wouldn't you want to do it more? Why wouldn't you want to do it without having drafted a third quarterback? betting on teams without the quarterback, um, taking a wide receiver and a running back. This is something mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking into this. This is uh, after these articles go out uh, on running back uh, success rate, which is the next stuff I'll have out on site. I'm going to be looking into wide receiver one and running back stacks. So I think those are pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and that's a way it's a way of capturing an offense, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, mm-hmm. here's another, I'm just going to capture this. This offense is good. That's the bet. This offense is good. I've got the, and you could do that, right? I take a lot of uh, Ridley, Travis Etienne. Interesting. If I, I get like that, this. right? If I if I get Trevor Lawrence, it's because he he fell. So now I've got I've got that, and like I'm talking late seventh, uh, Trevor Lawrence. I feel good about late seventh Trevor Lawrence, even though I don't right. draft much Trevor Lawrence. Yep. But if I don't get Trevor Lawrence, so what? I've got the running back and the wide receiver one on the Jaguars. I mean, if the Jaguars are good, I'm putting up points. So that's like, that's another way I, I try to think through. That's not week 17 correlation. That's just a stack, just a bet Jaguars. And then if the quarterback falls in your lap, great. And I think everybody thinks about what you're talking about here and what we're talking about through this lens of week 17, because it's become so popular. And I mean, shit, we've done, we've recorded here uh, conversations about how to use it and, and how to correlate in week 17, how to right? I drafted, um, let's say I drafted uh, Keenan Allen and then Jerry Judy fall, or, or I get to that wide receiver. I, I drafted Keenan Allen. I get to this dead zone. Ah, Cortland Sutton's the best wide receiver. I need a wide receiver. Okay, I choose him because he correlates. That's fine. I, there's nothing else to say about that. But I think people have now almost put this idea of week 17 sometimes ahead of what we're talking about here. And it's not, you can do both. You can have your cake and this is one of those where you can have your cake and, and eat it too. And the sniping thing is such a good point because a lot of the times people will just go through and draft their favorite player or draft a guy that's at the top of the ADP list or whatever. And then that snipe tends to hurt because you set up some, you set up one thing. And when it doesn't go according to plan, that whole team is fucked. As opposed to you navigate your way through this draft. And like you said, okay, I got cup. Now I'm set up for the Rams second round. Garrett Wilson. Okay. Now I'm set up for the jets, right? Uh, okay. Now I'm going to take my detour. Now I'm going (laughs) to, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Garrett Wilson fell uh, for the first time, literally in the, in 2023 fantasy football. Uh, (laughs) Whoever in the third round, right. Then, then you get the, the, uh, you take McLaurin as your fourth round pick. And then like you said, okay, well I get to the seventh round instead of just taking, right. I don't have anybody, you know, instead of just taking Gabe, I like Gabe again this year too. Instead of just taking Gabe because he's my favorite seventh rounder. Well, I don't have a quarterback yet. Let's give myself outs to this Washington thing. Right. So I'm just going to take Dotson on this one. Right. So now like I've drafted this whole way to be like, like 
kind of like he's like go ahead and snipe me or whatever it was that you you know like please please snipe me it's like i don't i didn't say i considered calling it please snipe me and then i was like i'm it's May, dude. You don't want to have the worst summer yeah. of your life. Don't title an article, <laughs> yes. please, Snipe Me. Because people will do it, especially because you, you know, when you won last year, people go, oh, I see Daily Rojo in here, and he literally said to Snipe Me, so I'm going to piss away my $25 to make him miserable. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, but that's the stacking. You said it earlier with Week 17 does this, and just general offense stacking does this. It not only, like, gets you maybe onto some guy, you know, whether it's spreading out your exposure or getting guys on the teams that they should be drafted on, like the Kincaid thing. It's not even necessarily evening out exposures, but it's like, I'm just going to have Kincaid. So like on those five Kincaid teams, if it hits those, those teams are winning a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. This allows you to like be a good drafter and never get sniped and never, you know, you know, not, not never get sniped, never worry about being sniped, never, worry about you get to the end of the draft like well fuck i don't have any stacks you know (laughs) i took an unstacked desmond ritter and an unstacked you know mac jones or whatever because when you're siding with stacking and mapping things out along as you go you can like never create a bad team it may not be the team you wanted or the team you intended to draft like at the beginning but you're like so whether it's a howell team or a daniel jones team or a purdy team or a Ritter team or a Stafford team or, you know, whatever. It didn't matter because you were set for everything along the way. It just kind of depended upon what the room, then that is, what did the room give you? But it's, you kind of took it first, you took it from the room and then you let them give you amongst five or six different options. That's exactly. Yeah. I love that. Um, You know, and for example, you could go uh, Ridley ETN and then five, six, you could go Jackson Smith and Jigba, Tyler Lockett, right? And then it's like, all right, room, are you going to give me seventh round Trevor Lawrence? If not, I can very easily get Geno with this stack. You know, I get tenth round Geno if I feel like I, I want to like reach a little bit there. But, um, you know, I've I've done that because once you have that kind of double stack locked up, I don't mind a a little bit of a reach for yeah for Geno there. Can you pull up this team? I yep. I uh, this is a best ball mania team that I drafted recently. Um, I'll read it out for the for the audio listeners as well. But so I'm out of the eleven hole here. I want AJ Brown, Devontae Adams, and then Calvin Ridley, Travis Etienne. So doing this is why I brought this team up. Did this exact thing. Uh, then I grab Michael Pittman, which correlates with Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I got Deontay Johnson. Just you know, take a pretty good pick there. Also, um, but also, ste- you're you're you have outs to Steelers. I have outs to right? Steelers. Pick, pick 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 it is later. Um, I'm trying to see if Lockett is already off the board or Lockett he, he was goes. not off the board. I could have gone Lockett, but yeah. I felt like I've taken a lot of Lockett, and I was like, I'll just take Deontay. And yeah, mm-hmm. I have the Steelers out. Um, I also have here the Adams Michael Pittman mini correlation, which gives me Anthony Richardson. Um. Then round seven and eight, this is the big thing. Round seven, Trevor Lawrence makes it all the way back. But I take a look at the round 12 team. I wrote about this on Legendary Upside called Dictating the Turns, where I, where I you know, kind of trying to force that extra little value out of the room. Yep. This guy has Deshaun Watson. He can uh, hurt me, but also probably hurt himself by taking unstacked Trevor Lawrence. Um, doesn't really make any sense for his team. So I went ahead and took Dallas Goddard. 
who's a really nice value at 7-Eleven and correlates with A.J. AJ Brown, Brown. Mm-hmm. two Eagles, right? So then I push Trevor Lawrence around the corner, a little bit of a heart in the throat moment, but I get him at 802. <laughs> That I mean, I don't draft a lot of Trevor Lawrence, but I love him at eight oh two. That's got to be one of the deepest fall, the furthest falls for for. I know he falls here and there, but eighty six is a big fall. Yeah, this was this was a fun one. So then uh, Zach Charbonnet, who I take a ton of um, in the late ninth, but he correlates with uh, my yep, my Steelers bet, and then I take Pat, uh, Pat Fryermuth. So now I've set up. I got my bring back. Seahawks are running all over the Steelers. Steelers have to throw to catch up, which seems like the most realistic way in which they would throw a lot in week <laughs> 17. So I kind of like that. Uh, grab Zay Jones at the 11-11. Uh, it's stacked with Lawrence. This guy at this point starts scooping up every available running back. So I end up reaching a lot on Roshan Johnson. Grab Devin Singletary, which takes me to, what, four running backs at that point. Uh, I have Travis Etienne, Zach Charbonnet, Roshan Johnson, Devin Singletary. So get that fourth running back through the end of the 13th, which feels pretty solid. Uh, that's generally like a mark I try to hit uh, if possible. I won't like force it, but that's like a nice little checkpoint. And then Kenny Pickett, round 14. So beautiful. Uh, then I tacked on some, I tacked on Leonard Fournette. I tacked on uh, some, some cheap pieces on this Colts Raiders things that I built out. So I didn't get Anthony Richardson. But I still took Hunter Renfro, Michael Mayer, Josh Downs. Love it. Just bet on Raiders. Raiders are better than people think. Colts can pass a little bit. And the whole team is, is I, I bet I've got a thing on the Eagles. I've got Steelers bring back. I didn't get a bring back actually on the Trevor Lawrence one, but, the, but I didn't. I just figured I'm not forcing that, right? I'm not taking right. Terrace Marshall here. I can take Michael Mayer with my very last pick, who I think is like, a much stronger bet than the eight oh eighteen oh two. So that's one thing where I didn't go with the correlation, but I did, didn't I? Because I had already it's my third Raider and I've got two Colts coming back. So to me, I'm not really even sacrificing like a bring back necessarily. Technically I am on my quarterback. The the game I would like to go off the most is that um Jaguars game, but I also have ETN. So what if it's ETN who you need in week 17? I've got a couple other games stacked up. That's just kind of the way I think about this stuff. So two things that jumped out to me here is a fuck you. That team is awesome. Uh, and you <laughs> executed it. You executed it uh, really well. But what really jumped out like with the Jags thing, and you'll see this all the time is so we know inherently that like ADP value is, is uh, important. Someone I, I absolutely hate when someone calls me and my AirPods pick up like my cell phone during the conversation. It's all, fucks everything up uh but that that just happened so uh regaining my train my train of thought when you do things like you did with calvin ridley and and travis Etienne, a lot of the times it works the best with like the wide receivers but you can create right it's like the the leverage thing manufactured or you know uh, uh dropped in your lap you can create your own ADP value like you did with Trevor Lawrence sometimes. Yeah. Another perk of these stacks is that you you don't guarantee it because sometimes, like you said, okay, I, I'm just going to reach for Gene. Right, I took JSN and lock it. And and when you're at the turn, things can be different too because you don't ha- you're you're not afforded the ability to just pick off value like you are if you're drafting in you know at the five or the six or something like that. So some you know it, there's nuance, but like the Lawrence thing is such a good example. 
only one guy had Christian Kirk. You had Ridley and ETN. No one else is incentivized to take Trevor Lawrence. And if you're in a room where everybody's kind of staying in their own lane, you're gonna you can create this ADP value, right? You can create two rounds of fucking eighty, which is what you did. Create like two rounds of ADP value on Trevor Lawrence by taking those skill guys. If you don't get it, you don't get it. You still have that bet. You just walked through all the different things you set up, right? I I, I literally have not drafted Jimmy Garoppolo once, but if someone wanted to say, look, you're set for Jimmy Garoppolo, you're set for Anthony Richardson, you were set for Kenny Pickett, right? You you're, you set yourself up for all these different things. So if you did, if the Lawrence thing didn't happen, it didn't happen. But the only way to find out, the only way for it to happen is to do what you did. And every once in a while, it's going to happen. It's like the, again, it's like the leverage thing. You manufactured that ADP value. And if you do this over and over and over in every draft, you're almost guaranteeing, right? You were basically guaranteed that like, who the fuck is taking all of the quarterbacks that I've <laughs> like, like right. everyone would be taking, like, you don't necessarily know which one it's going to be. In this case, it was Lawrence next draft. It might be Anthony Richardson. Next, the next time it's going to be Kenny Pickett because you took both. Maybe you took Deontay Pickens and Friar Meath, right? So, when everybody else is picking their late round guy, why the fuck would anybody else take Kenny Pickett? They don't have any Steelers on their team. They're going to take Stroud yeah. or Bryce Young or whatever. So like you can create these things. So it's not just like, you're not just evening out exposure. You're not just right. Like uh, uh breaking ties and all that. You are doing those things, but you're also just by stacking, creating these leverage spots and ADP these things that we know are good it has all these downstream effects to it yeah and i didn't push trevor lawrence to the 802 just to like get cute and get to show this team on a stream although it certainly is perk um <laughs> the dallas goddard is sitting there at 711 and the team at uh at the 12 hole did not have a tight end dallas goddard's a huge value i think it's 711 again i did have aj brown so it's a, a continued bet on the eagles i'm, I'm not going to go back and get hurts but like you got to pay up for Hertz, right? I can get Hertz's weapons and get there if I can fill in the quarterback at a much, much cheaper price. This is like one of those DFS things, right? If I can pay, you know, $5,000 for my quarterback, you know, instead of 8000 or whatever, then I'm in a position where Sam I don't Howell score as many one. points. That's going to be Sam Howell in, in week one. On, on hey, I'll, I'll can, play Sam Howell in DFS. I will I play script, Sam Howell in DFS. I can script Sunday the Sunday morning show on Roto-Grinders that I will be doing uh, people Do as if they haven't heard. Herb, yeah, let's just go ahead and record this. I actually don't know who they. Shocker, I don't know week one schedule. Uh, we Roto Pat was so tilted this time last year. Roto Pat was like, "Wait, you don't know the week one schedule?" I was like, "No." And by the way, it wasn't this time last year. It was like late August. He was like, "You don't know the week one schedule." And they play like, in three weeks, and you don't know who plays in week one. But I could no in clue. my sleep, I fucking recite the week seventeen schedule. You know? He was legitimately irritated. He was like, "What has happened to your brain?" Oh my god, they play the Cardinals. It, oh, is, baby. Uh, it is Sam Howell to Jahan Dotson season in, wow. in, uh, in week one. Anyway. Well, he's not getting benched in that game. All right. <laughs> uh, I, 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 yeah, I just kind of want to point out that like, okay, ha let's say um, the guy at the seven hole needed a quarterback and, uh, you know, already had a tight end. I would have flipped that. I would have said mm -hmm. what has a better chance of getting back. I would have taken Lawrence. Lawrence, obviously a huge value too. So um you can manufacture these little extra ADP squeezes around the turns, but what are you getting for it? If I didn't, if it was like, even if it was like, he didn't have a, he already has a quarterback. Um, 
but I don't like really care what other player I right. get on this turn, I would take Lawrence. Like, I don't think you want to just push it for the sake of pushing it. But in this case, I'm sitting at a huge value correlated Dallas Goddard. Don't have a tight end yet. Um, I want to try to get both. I agree. Um, and it's, it's such a good point because I, I do think people say, well, I can't, I can, you know, oh, he, ha- yeah, he has a quarterback. I don't need to take him here. But you're like, you're just deciding between two wide receivers that, you yeah, don't really give a sh- you don't give a shit. Well, just take him. Yeah, just just yeah. take him. Then it's like the Gino thing before. It's like ah, a little bit ahead of ADP, but like he makes the most sense here. There's nobody else I want. Right. That that's what happens to me. There again, those those pockets of the draft exist too. Right. It's that's why nothing is ever done in a silo, done in a done in a vacuum. It's like you're constantly what who's on the board, what pocket of the draft I'm in, what do my opponents have right uh what do i what do i need to be thinking about down the road right all these different things have to play in um that's actually why why uh we've spent on this bold these bulldog videos that we've done you know they're slow the bulldogs are slow drafts uh the, the i forget which if it was round three and four or five and six or something like that you know so two picks right if you're in a fast draft you that's a to- one minute total that you have maximum to make those those two picks when you're on the clock. We spent an hour and a half <laughs> debating who to take between, between between four people. But that's when you think about it, like the fast draft is kind of crazy because our brain is trying to process like right. Like yeah. what you just did in that draft, you just process like 20 different things that we've mostly talked about on this on this show all in once in a in the in the blink of an eye. All that stuff is what we discussed for an a fucking hour and a half <laughs> to figure out who to pick on a show, and and but we're we're having to do it within twenty to twenty five seconds because you know you have to have to make the pick too. You have to do so. You have to make figure out these things in twenty seconds uh, when you're on the clock, and so it is it is kind of crazy uh, to think about it. <laughs> I'm not gonna say to wrap. Because uh, we got made fun of a lot, and I got made fun of a lot uh, a few episodes. I actually, do have ago. an out, so we we need to wrap. Uh, we we actually are <laughs> going to wrap. I promise. Uh, I just want to talk about, like I said, what we call kind of like oh shit stacks. Being so, we just talked about how to not get yourself into these situations, but sometimes it happens. Things don't play out your way. You you tried to set up three, four, five different stacks, and it just didn't work right? Got sniped. Or maybe you decided when you got to the 12th round, when you were going to take Derek Carr, somebody else was on the board, somebody else there fell. And you were like, well, I can't, I can't pass on this guy in the 12th round. Now you got to the 15th round and you don't have sacks built out. Do a, how often will you prioritize, right? Like, uh, so Mac Jones, Hunter Henry, Devonte Parker, Tyquan Thornton, uh, you know, those kinds of guys are like readily available back there. Uh, uh, you know, if you like how, like me, Curtis Samuel, as you mentioned, is available back there. Logan Thomas is back there. Jordan Love, if, if he falls or whatever, you have Musgrave and Jaden Reed and those guys back there. There's a bunch of these ways to still build these stacks in. CJ Stroud, that, I think, is, is a really Stroud good one. Is a really, Stroud is a good one. Uh, Bryce Young has Hayden Hurst back there. And <laughs> I guess you can take Mingo too. I don't mind where Mingo, Mingo goes. You mm-hmm. take him and, you know. But how I'm trying I'm trying to think about how to phrase this because I think these are like a necessity for any drafter to have in their back pocket and make sure to go to. But like 
how often are these things happening in your in your drafts and like are you like trying to avoid them are you you know we are talking about the like plan ahead type thing in our draft we know we have a mac jones stack always in our back pocket but then the next thing you know if you don't like if you if you lean on that crutch too much the next thing you know, you're like massively overweight a Mac Jones, Hunter Henry stack, which I'm not saying that whether that's right, wrong or indifferent, but that may not have been your intention, right? Right on, on May 1st, when you started drafting BBM, you probably didn't say, oh yeah, load me up all the Mac Jones and Hunter Henry. But then when the contest closes, because you've had to backdoor into this so much, you end up way overweight on that. Like, how do you think about some of these things? And is that something that you run into frequently with these backdoor stacks? The way I think about it, generally, I don't want to be doing a lot of that to the point where I actually like Mac Jones and I just realized I'm underweight on him now because I, I don't like to put myself in that situation. But Mac Jones, you know, if I'm going to play that game, I would prefer to play it with Allen as my quarterback. And then um, but I probably need to take more Mac Jones, actually. But I would like to, you know, maybe take Hopkins or have Gabe, you know, already like have built out a Bills thing that didn't happen and then tack a Mac Jones stack onto that. Yeah. Or if I'm going to do the Stroud one, I'd rather have Burks if possible. You know, at least give me a bring back. I'd rather have Derrick Henry. Um, I'd rather have Damian Pierce and at least just have like a premium mm-hmm. piece of like this. This offense is going to be better than people expect. Well, you know, the starting running back would benefit from that a lot. So to the extent that is that is possible, you know, with the Jaguars stuff, like the Jaguars one that I outlined earlier. What if Lawrence didn't come back? Well, probably prioritize Mingo a little bit more and see if I can play that as a Bryce Young thing. I like right? it. And maybe instead of Pickett, it's a Bryce Young thing. And, you know, I figure, you know, maybe I reach on Richardson in the eighth a little bit, whatever. You know, there's a million ways to do it. But the um, the, the point is, when I'm doing these backdoor stacks, I would prefer to have already set up a bring back on them or a premium piece on it to the extent that's possible. And the way that I don't have to fall back on them more than I want is that I'm doing minis throughout the draft or I'm building, you know, consecutive, you know, I'm building little double stacks at various points throughout the draft, that Friar pick to go with Deontay Johnson. Right. I'm like, all right, sick. I already have a, I already have a double stack, but the, the way I think about it, Deontay Johnson, Pat Friar and Zach Charbonnet is a fun little three piece stack. Do I have to have Kenny Pickett on that? No, I do not. I absolutely don't care if I have Kenny Pickett, if the team is already set at quarterback, that's how I'm kind of thinking through like these little things go together. These little things go together. And then if I need to tackle on the quarterback or it falls in such a way that it's really nice to do amazing. If I, if I need to, you know, find another quarterback, hopefully I've already set myself up for one. And that again is like one of these downstream benefits of, of, doing these stacks is is what two thing one you the least important part of your stack is that quarterback so it allows you this flexibility to just drop that least important piece in depending upon what this draft gives you right like i said earlier you took these stacks away from the away from the the rest of your opponents and then you kind of just laid it on the table and let them hand you the last piece the least important piece right you put the whole puzzle together and they gave you that last they gave you that last that last piece it also these these oh shit stacks right these these late back door stacks make you feel better about yourself right like i have i definitely have too much of the mac jones hunter henry because i do like to push things and shit happens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in drafts the problem is that in truly in practice 
those are not the things that are really going to win you best ball tournaments, but a late stack with some premium options, as you mentioned, mixed in. And that's why building out these stacks, even without the quarterback are so impactful is because like you said, look, is Mac Jones going to score 40 points with, with three touchdowns or four touchdowns going to Hunter Henry in any given week? No, you're just getting them because look, I need a quarterback. I need a late round tight end. They're good values, whatever. But if you build for the case in which they really do blow up in a given week, it's going to include, right? Like you said, Traylon Burks, the way in which that Houston, Tennessee game blows up is not, is not CJ Stroud to Robert Woods with Kyle Phillips as the bring back. Like that's not winning you best ball mania for. I'm just t- like, if, sorry if you've drafted. That. <laughs> I don't, I haven't done to- the Phillips part. I'm not trying to be a, a not trying to be a hater. I got plenty of my own <laughs> shitty shitty backdoor no, stats. No, you're right. But Stroud, Robert Woods, Kyle Field. But like we'll do it because we're like, ah, I'm breaking ties right. with this, right? And it's like, I'm not I'm not even saying don't ever do that, but I'm saying if you really want to like gain the juice around some of these backdoor stacks, I think it has to do with thinking about this stacking and correlation as you go throughout the draft, right? Like the real juice is that CJ Stroud has Nico, maybe Nico. And then you have Robert Woods and you had Traylon Burks on that team. Maybe you drafted Chig because you drafted Traylon. You take Chig as your, as your tight end. Next thing you know, it's like, okay, now this game has some fucking juice. Now, like now we got juice. I can win this whole thing. Like Kyle Phillips <laughs> as your only Titan or whatever, as a bring back to Robert Woods is really just like making you feel better about the team, but it's not really gaining you much win equity. I agree. And you think about, okay, everyone has these backdoor Stroud stacks, these backdoor Jones stacks. But if you have the the confidence and the courage to actually stack up that game like for real which no one wants to do that that's why they're that's why they're sitting there is oh i can tack that on because i didn't think about yep. this until now and no one wants them and i'll just tack them on but if you're like no no, no this game's going off I'm, I'm betting on it to be a like really high scoring <laughs> like if it does go off if that mac jones team actually does have some juice like you act you have the premium pieces you've got the bills coming back on it you yeah you know, you took the Hopkins before he signed there and you know, whatever, but um, God forbid you, you include Juju, you know, I mean, if you're going to take Juju, it, it, yep. it would be nice to have it correlated with some bills. You get Mac later. Um, I don't really see how Juju crushes me, but that would be how, right? Like mm-hmm. it would be in a week 17 unpredictable shootout where the bills go off. They have to throw a ton. Juju catches uh, 11 balls for, 47 yards and two touchdowns <laughs> and uh, he's the guy you need. Exactly. Exactly. So we do got to get out of here. Um, there will be plenty more stacking conversation over the course of the summer. It is clearly uh, an important subject, but a nuanced one. I'm sure it will come up on, on future shows. Um, and I like your idea that you mentioned before. Maybe that's what we'll talk about next week with kind of, uh, you know, your, you're, you have a plan of attack for exposure, but like, right. it's a, again, it's a snake trap. You don't just get to pick, you know, it's not DFS. I don't get to create a uh, 150 lineups exactly how I want them to be. I have to do it with the draft. So be on the lookout for that. Um, next week, of course, I fucked up and did not uh, get, read kind of our promotion at the very top. So for the sickos that are still hanging around two hours in, if you are a legendary upside subscriber, you get 40% off of a Spike Week subscription. So 
part of why we're doing this show. We have a little bit of a, a partnership. The people who are reading Legendary Upside are clearly uh, you know, deep into the fantasy football and probably best ball space and spike week. We offer um, really some of the only tools in all of best ball and for the people that are taking this pretty seriously. And so you get 40% off. Use promo code leg up when you sign up on spike week. And you'll automatically get 40% off as long as you stay subscribed to both Legendary Upside and Spike Week. Anything else before we get out of here? I know you got to go. We both got to go. <laughs> uh, I'll just say legendaryupside.com slash early. You can still get $30 off uh, your first year. There's less than a month to go on that promotion. So if you're considering signing up, good time to sign up. And then that's how you get the 40% off Spike Week as well. That is perfect. Um Thank you guys for all of the kind wishes. I did I did just want to close with uh and we took a little couple week hiatus and I got tons of messages and tons of pings in Discord and tons of uh hey, where the hell is legendary sickos? You know, it's been a part of my uh weekly routine now. So I appreciate all the amazing feedback and comments and everything. You can find it both on the Spike Week YouTube channel and the Legendary Upside YouTube channel. We post it on both and podcast feeds. Everywhere you get your audio, video, everything for Legendary Upside and Spike Week uh, for myself and for Pat. And I can't believe all of our, both your dog and my dog stayed quiet during this. Oh, whole, well, he was whole jumping time. up on the couch. He was, <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw my arm going like this. He needed a lot of attention earlier. I was, I was giving a lot of pets. Jumping on my arm at one point. It was funny watching him uh, look out the window, but he still stayed mostly quiet. And yeah, he's good. I'm also a little, mine didn't even like come in the room. So I'm kind of partially terrified about what they've been doing for the last uh, two hours. At one point, he banged in the cage because he was getting on my arm. I'm going like, (laughs) the cage is all shaking. (laughs) But for me and for Pat and for all these crazy uh, four legged uh, fur babies, we will see you guys next week.